0: the highway in a brand new day Welcome to this episode of Open the Voice Gate for August 2019. I'm your old pal, Iron Mike Spears, and I'm being joined, as always, by Case Lowe. Case, how's it going, dude? I am well tonight. I am winding down my summer
1: with another episode of Open the Voice Gate and another big Dragon Gate show coming up
0: this weekend. We've got quite a bit to run down today. Yeah, so it's been a it's been since kobe world but they've had five shows hit the network since kobe world so it's there's been a lot of stuff going on in the company as they're building up to dangerous gate at least it feels like it's more hot now leading into this show than traditionally was the case
1: Yeah, and, you know, every year after World, you know, they take a few weeks off. It's, you know, other than maybe New Japan, it's the most demanding schedule in Japan. They've earned those few weeks off, even though, you know, we had natural vibes show up in all Japan. Now Masaki Mochizuki's taking bookings elsewhere. But then they hit the ground running with a double shot in Fukuoka at the start of the month. They hit Korkin, they hit Kobe Samba Hall, they hit Kaito KBS Hall, and now we've got a big pay-per-view coming up in Tokyo on Saturday. Um, And although... Maybe the match quality um, hasn't been up to stuff the entire month. And although it feels like this Dangerous Gate is coming right off the heels of Kobe World, uh, the past few shows have shown me that this company is ready for this show. They've put a lot of thought and care into this show. And I'm excited to see what happens.
0: Yeah, like that's the thing. As we've gotten back into the swing of things, we are in at least what I consider kind of the hot season in Dragon Gate as... Now we're gonna go straight from Dangerous Gate to Gate of Origin, into Gate of Destiny and Final Gate. So everything's gonna be coming kind of fast and furious. But even though like the match quality has not necessarily kept the same level as things were going with King of Gate going into Kobe World, I feel like storyline wise, for like this about really two and a half week period, they did a great job of. Sp- starting some stories kind of get to a point with some other stories and continue some stuff going on that usually this is a show that has like one big match and then they kind of throw the rest of the card together but there's a lot of thought and care being put into this dangerous gate card yeah absolutely uh where do
1: you want to get started do we want to start with the fukuoka double shot do we want to go and head straight into cork (laughs) and that's up to you where do you want to go with this
0: well uh let's just really kind of touch on some of the big moments i would feel like during the august show i mean everything except for the uh, kobe sambo hall and the kt and the kbs hall shows are off the network so we probably don't want to spend too much on the fukuoka shows was there anything that really stood out for you from this like afternoon evening double shot something that they don't do very often in fukuoka
1: Yeah, it's something that they don't do often, but it looks like that's going to be the norm going forward. I just saw the September schedule, and on September 29th, they're doing another day-night doubleheader at the newer, smaller Fukuoka venue that replaces Hakata Star Lanes. Uh, The double shot at the start of the month— the only thing that stuck out to me, uh, there is a Shun Skywalker versus Genki Horaguchi singles match. That was fine on the day show. Same with the Benkei versus Kaito Ishida match. That was good, not great. The only match of the double shot that I thought was great was the main event of the day show, which had the Tribe Vanguard team of Yamato, BB Hulk, Kai, and Yasuke Santamaria uh, knocking off Ata, Bigar, R Shimizu, Takashi Yoshida, and Yasushi Kanda. Uh, this match had an energy to it that I wasn't expecting, I rarely enjoy these teams, even on a big show, even when they're giving their best effort. So I wasn't expecting a ton of energy or effort to come out of this match, but I thought Yamato and B.B. Hulk in particular had really strong showings. I gave this match four stars. It's on the spreadsheet. And then the night show, I didn't think anything was bad, but I also didn't think anything was that good. It was a house show effort, three stars kind of across the board, and that was all there was to it.
0: Yeah, it was kind of a interesting few weeks and i feel like what went on in fukuoka kind of went along with how i felt about the overall run so far and that's that there's a lot of stuff that kind of felt like i guess that it was reminiscent of how shows would be that felt like they were like kind of traditional heel face main events and actually like red feels like that over this th- these two shows put themselves into a really good kind of uh feeling that because there was these constant matches that it later became natural vibes against red and they would have these really great main events that not necessarily are always spreadsheet level but they've always been enjoyable over these shows like there's only one show so far in august i didn't like um my favorite thing actually from the fukuoka shows was the tag match between uh the, uh, max, the uh, maximum team of Naruki Doi and Jason Lee versus Masaki Mochizuki and Kisu, Keisuke Okuda from the afternoon show because I just thought it was just a really feisty one. I've always loved seeing Jason Lee and Masaki Mochizuki together. There's been a lot of just good solid Jason Lee stuff if you're someone who really likes him going on here. And then, I mean, Okuda is one of the more interesting people in the promotion right now. At least in my opinion. Especially with how things moved on into Korkin. And this kind of continued with that. I'm with you. There really wasn't a whole lot on the evening show. There actually was Ada and Shimizu facing uh, Susumi Yokosuka and Punch Tomonaga. That was probably my favorite match. Which tells you how I felt about these shows if Punch Tomonaga was my favorite person on there. so Yeah, I... that's always a bit of an issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a match... I'm looking at my notes right now where I have multiple times that I wrote down while well, this happened and okay, this we're through this and it just was not very high on this. So I think we might as well just move on to the Corkin, because at least there's some meat on the bone here. So Corkin was on August 7th. It was there, there in the gate of adventure and pulling up the attendance. It was 1611. It's down from July, but July that, that was kind of seen as the big go home for Kobe world and, Not as many big matches here. I guess really Ultimo's first match in Dragon Gate in Tokyo could be seen as a big match. But I mean, and then you have Yamato and Kai versus Benkei and Shun Skywalker. Those are two pretty big matches. But on the whole, uh, what was your thoughts of the Monthly Corkin Show? Uh, well, you can read my full review over at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Uh, I've
1: got the review there, breaks down every match, star rating, that sort of deal. Um, two or three weeks removed from this show, a few things stick out in my mind. Uh, one being that, and we'll talk about them even more when we get to the Dangerous Gate preview, but Kaisuke Okuda is really becoming something special and and I don't know if it's that in like this raw talent way, the way that we've seen rookies come into Japanese promotions in recent years, uh, like a Nomura or a Benkei or any of the New Japan Young Lions. But his talent being inserted into Dragon Gate is something that is fascinating to watch. And that was on display here. I loved him and Akuda, or I'm sorry, him and uh, Haya Watanabe against Yuki Yoshioka and Kota Minora. I thought the Ultimo Dragon match uh, was laid out to perfection. Uh, he, Masato Yoshino, and Naruki Doi got the win over Ryo Saito, Kagatora, and Kness. thought that match was a ton of fun. And then the main event of Yamato and Kai versus Benkei and Shun Skywalker, one of my favorite Dragon Gate matches of the year. It would be in my top ten right now if I had to produce a list i this match is one that has stuck with me it's something that i've wanted to now go back and rewatch because i was kind of stunned at just how good it was and how good i thought all four members of the match looked
0: including kai and i don't often say that yeah this was just a i i think top to bottom one of their best tokyo shows in years especially if we're going to remove like the okay is it tournament time just like top to bottom show i didn't have a match on the show below three stars no, and I
1: neither did I. And now that I'm looking at my review, I had another four star match that I didn't mention. Oh, is and this? that was that was the Natural Vibes uh, Red Six Man. You know, we talked about how they've had all these good matches on the tour that might not have been spreadsheet worthy. Well, this was one of them with KZ Horaguchi and Susumu defeating Big R, Ata and Yasushi Kondo, which set up the twin gate match for Dangerous Gate. Uh, thanks to Horaguchi's victory, but no, this show was a blast. It was a vintage-style Dragon Gate Cork and Hall show where nothing is below three stars. You get a main event that delivers, and you get a multi-man match somewhere in the middle that, if it happened in any other promotion on Earth, would be the talk of the town. And that's not a comment on people ignoring Dragon Gate. That is just the fact that This is the working standard in this company, and other companies don't have to live up to such a standard to where this six-man match in the middle of the card is just considered very good to great, whereas in any other promotion, like I said, it would be noteworthy, it would be buzzworthy, it would be something to talk about.
0: Yeah, and just like up and down the card, uh, one match that I have kind of want to hit on, just because we at least also when we are talking about Kobe world, we really haven't had a chance to talk about it is that we've had this whole new slew of Gaijin come in first. Jimmy stuck through from Kobe world, but we've had Martin Kirby from the UK and then we have Diamante from Mexico coming. And I really thought that this opener, it was a, it was a 10 person tag with a, basically this mixed team or I'm sorry, 8 person tag with like this mixed team of uh Tri Vanguard and, kirby and jimmy versus Masaki mochizuki super shisa Kenichiro orai and mondai ryu that was just a blast of an opener it just was a really fun show we got to see martin kirby who if you haven't watched martin kirby in a giant gate ring he is different he is refreshing he's a lot of fun and we got to see him go up against super shisa and Kenichiro orai which were two great little matchups there and then jimmy has been not necessarily outstanding but he but for someone of his age we're watching him grow from show to show and it's just an exciting thing to watch so far with this opener i mean and for me like to have a match like that just to start the show before getting into Hio watanabe being on the best string of matches in his career kesuke akuda being the most interesting guy in wrestling this natural vibes versus red trios match which i went four stars on it's incredible ginky horikuchi is probably the mvp of this month and then an, a fun Ultima Dragon match and an absolutely killer tag team match between this uh, Yamato and Kai team. Which case I wasn't really high on this team when they first no, got no, together not at all. Not but at all. Kai has like as soon as he's gotten to, to know someone, he's become one of the better tag team wrestlers in this company. So like there's just a lot of him and Yamato who've just done awesome stuff. And I was not very high on Yamato becoming the title contender. From the Fukuoka shows, because it did feel like they were moving that way. But this match that they had here at Korokin with the two of them, just Yamato and Benkei, deciding just to throw bombs for about 20 minutes was incredible. And this is a show that's now off the network. I don't know when it's a Geora ending airings that are going to be over. But if you have an opportunity to find the full show, go back and watch this full show because, really, from top to bottom, this is as strong as a and as I feel like most promotions can put out today. It just was a yeah, awesome absolutely in and, and the, and the Yamato thing. Just real quick, you know, we had
1: speculated after the Fukuoka shows that maybe it was going to be Horiguchi versus Ben because Genki had racked up all these wins and they were giving him singles matches. It was clear there was a focus on him. Uh, then we saw the card announced uh, for Korkin and we saw that Yamato and Ben were in the main event that kind of gave it away and we were initially disappointed. I think partially just because Ben K versus Genki Horiguchi in a main event program sounds like such a fun and different style of booking than what's what we've expected from Dragon Gate. Uh, but any doubts I had kind of like you said, were removed in this match. I saw the way those two work together. I saw the way the crowd was into it. And then, like I said, this match, it, it, felt a little outside of the dragon gate universe it felt a little more stiff a little more snug there was a little bit more intensity to it than like a Masato yoshino can bring to just a standard tag match in cork and hall there was something different about this match that has really
0: stuck with me yeah and it's something that with these two guys you you're kind of pulling at two different strings i feel like because you have yamato who for a lot of purposes was the ace pretty much from 2013 through the last Pac reign when they started to do the transition. I think that's fair to say. So you have the guy yes. who's your most recent ace and still is, out of the people of that level, the youngest person of that level. And you have Benke who they spent so much time and they gave him the big win over Pac, And it, it just was, for me, a very troubling match because Dragon Gate has before... Pulled the rug out underneath someone, what should have been like their defining ace run. And when I saw the match like this here, I'm like, okay, I still have that lingering thought in the back of my head. But not only do Yamato and Benke have this chemistry that I think could be something special, but they made it into such a thing that Yamato had to use Ragnarok, which he's only used, I believe, twice before on Shun Skywalker to get the pin here. And Kai is just there willing to throw bombs and kick people really hard too so this match was just incredible uh i didn't get a chance really to ask you what are your thoughts about martin kirby jimmy and diamante so far coming out of this score and really just for the first half of this month well jimmy is someone i'm a fan
1: of i was not familiar with him before he landed in dragon gate but i am typically a fan of these dtu kids that have come over um it seemed like he Uh, worked in the same style as a Flamita or a Drastic Boy and has kind of assumed that Drastic Boy role of being in the openers, working hard, taking good bumps, and his reward is not necessarily victories, his reward is being in Japan. And he seems okay with that. I I think he's been a blast. I like when they have guys like this come over. Uh, Less featured foreign acts um, are a good time because, you know, you're going to get your Willie Max. And, you know, obviously the greatest example being Pac, uh, these guys that kind of work themselves into push positions and featured acts. Uh, Jimmy is not that. Jimmy has a spot on the card, and that spot is nowhere after match three. But I'm okay with that because I think Jimmy is a ton of fun to watch. Martin Kirby is someone who I was not entirely familiar with before he came over simply because he worked promotions in the UK that I don't watch. I don't watch a lot of PCW. Uh, I'm not a defiant wrestling fan. (laughs) Um, So I was aware of his existence. I had heard his name and I had heard good things, but I don't really remember seeing him work with the exception of the Dragon Gate UK shows he was on. But even those now that I'm looking at, Uh, those, it looks like he was in mostly dark matches, so I don't know if I've seen those or not. Uh, But he's someone who really stuck out to me from the very beginning because he seemed to grasp the charisma that is required to work in Dragon Gate at a very quick level. From his first match on in Fukuoka, he was interacting with the crowd and getting the crowd invested. And from there, he was able to make these little things stand out. He's got this like somersault catapult move he does with two opponents uh, and he he sends the head of one opponent into the crotch of the other and that's kind of been the one spot that i've seen him do consistently and that's been getting good reactions it's a little contrived it looks a little goofy but i think in Durangate it works um but he's really stuck out to me as someone who might not be at the high working level of a willie mac or a Pac or whoever else but from the start it was like oh i he could work on this promotion on a regular basis because he has the charisma that connects for whatever reason. And we don't really see that a lot of the time from foreigners that come in. It's a lot of in ring first, and then we'll worry about the reactions later. He flipped it and it seemed to work out for him. I think he's been a lot of fun. And then there's Diamante who, uh, I can't figure out why he's here. He's not the, the weird thing with him. He is not actively bad. I don't think he's a very good professional wrestler, but I don't think it's fair to say that he's bad or that he's awful. Whatever, you know, whatever word you want to use there. I don't think he's that, but it is very clear that he is not at the working standard of the drag gate level and is clumsy and awkward and slow. And those are three things that don't mesh with his style. So I've become perversely entertained by his matches. I've watched every single one that's hit tape because I don't know what we're going to get from him. I just know that it's probably not spreadsheet worthy, which is okay. Not every wrestler has to be that, but he feels like someone that would have come over in like 2006, 2007, a King Shisa or a Pentagon Black or someone that just hung out in Dragon Gate and no one was really sure why. He's kind of the next in line of those guys, and it has been a very long time since Dragon Gate has had one of those guys in the promotion.
0: Yeah, it's something that I feel like part of this tour has been wrapping our heads around him, just because he the the way that I've described him, and I don't think I'm being negative when I say this. He is a replacement level heavyweight luchador. I watch a lot of AAA, and I've it's one of those promotions i like watching to like plug in and things of like this and from what i found out about diamante before he came over and what i've like seen of him elsewhere he's just there he's kind of awkward his stuff that looks good is because he's bigger than everyone else he's probably a legit 210 and 510 shoot height so he his finishing move has been a power bomb that looks pretty good because he kind of has the same thing that kazma has that He looks that much bigger than everyone else, so you could do things and be kind of remarkable, but it's just, it's weird. He doesn't really, they've had him get all the falls in his matches case, which is something that's also very uh, King Shisa or Pentagon Black-like. So in another world, he would be getting the second dream key for Benkei. So that's just like- That, That would be terrifying, especially
1: given what we saw- on the August 10th show, which was the Naruki Doi Homecoming uh, show, which aired on the network, but I don't believe it's on there anymore. But match two, and this is a real match. This was not a TW or EWR simulation. This match in Dragon Gate was Cosmo Sakamoto and Diamante defeating Kai and Martin Kirby in this nine-minute, bizarre, awkward match that saw Cosmo Sakamoto get busted open hard way Bad. Yeah in bad i mean he was gushing and it. it's one of the you know it's match two on a house show i'm watching the show but i'm not entirely focused on this match and i look up and sakamoto is gushing blood and i rewind it to see what happens and i don't really see anything and then i rewind it again and it looks like uh kirby had her him into the corner and instead of doing an exaggerated, like, throw his head into the turnbuckle bump. It looks like he hit the hard part of the post and, you know, threw his head into steel, basically, and that's what cut him open. Uh, But to me, that was the highlight of this August 10th show was this match that uh, borderlined on bad at times, but like I said, I was perversely entertained by the entire
0: thing. Well, I mean, the, the reason why this match borderline on bad was because it was ninety percent Diamante doing things. Like Kirby. Yeah, 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 like Martin and Kirby, I didn't get a chance to talk about him. I find him really entertaining and really refreshing. I like seeing him doing Lancaster lancaster shire which you know that that's a place that i know exists because it's a name of something but doesn't sound really real case to be quite no it,
1: that sounds like a fake fake name
0: uh, that belongs in a fake promotion with a fake company yeah yeah but it, it, he does this style and uses it for comedy and it's, it's obvious that he's someone that knows the promotion and knows the history famously he was one of the people who brought over uh, Naoki Tanazaki over to the UK a couple of years back. So he, he does really fun stuff. Like he does the Milano stop drop kick, which is great. The the other kind of comedy thing he does, which is he kind of like teases the uh, his victim by saying their name and trying to like get them to like grab his head, put him in a headlock. But he keeps like sticking his head in his arm and he just tries to distract them and it it's into like a little kind of comedy pinning clutch that's great. But Diamante is weird. Kirby has this match that will be hitting the network next month, I think on the 15th, with him and Super Shisa, which I'm really looking forward to, just because I think that'll be an interesting styles class. And, you know, I'm with you on on Jimmy. I kind of wish he was just going to stick around and become like a dojo guy for a while. Like, I feel like that'd be cool if he becomes like the next member of Mochizuki Dojo, just because of how different it would be in comparison to everyone else. I mean, you've already have... Kesuke Akuda joining the dojo now why not have a, a kid from DTU who's just 19 I think that'd be a lot of fun yeah that would be a lot of fun but but yeah guys this this Nara show don't watch when it comes back whenever they like have it on there it's probably the worst show that I think they've put on in a long time I, don't, I didn't have a single match to recommend from it it was that bad It was well it was It was on the level of the
1: April 2019 shows, uh, which I've discussed on this program before. Uh, Mike DMing me with show reports from these April house shows that hit the network and his uh, mental health slowly decaying along the way from Dragon Gate basically had three or four of the driest house shows possible. Uh, This show was on that level. Uh, Like Mike said, nothing to really recommend uh, when or if it comes back on the network because I don't. I don't believe this show was airing on Gaiora, uh, but it's it's no longer on the network, but it was yeah. a rookie doi homecoming. I mean, it's not a typical TV stop, so you would think something like that, we'd get the opportunity to just have it up on the network and they would film it just for the network, but alas, it's not to be.
0: It's also weird because the other shows that they've done, homecoming shows and taped, one of them was Shingo Takagi's, which they also taped because he's... Because it was in Yamanashi, and they got him uh, uh, Kenji Muto, I believe it was, on that one. So, like, that was a big thing to show up, and they had, like, Pyro and stuff like this. This had no Pyro. This had, like, nothing
1: special. (laughs) This did have Ultimo Dragon, though, which was odd. I mean, it was the least entertaining of the Ultimo Dragon Gate matches, but to me, it was I thought it was the best match on the show, because I'm still entertained by Ultimo simply appearing in this company right but uh i thought the kobe sambo hall show on the 17th was far more entertaining
0: right yeah no this one the ultimo match had punch to Managa, which was something i did not think we'd be seeing in the year of our lord 2019 but yeah this kobe sambo hall show might be my favorite kobe show they've had in years at it's, least sambo it's, it's
1: been a long time since there's been a sambo hall show that from top to bottom has been entertaining like this one
0: yeah, this one will be up on the network until the 24th. It's about two hours and 30 minutes. There's only like about two matches, I would say. Just skip through. And if you look at the lineups, you'd be able to tell which ones I think you should skip through. But it's just it's a really fun show from top to bottom. You got to have an opener that had Shun joining up with Kirby and Jimmy, who've been pretty much an openers their whole entire time here. You have a fun tag, like mixed tag match. Number two. You have Yamato versus uh, Kaido Ishida, which that was a humdinger. And then probably the best match of Hiyo Watanabe's career since 2016, I would say. And that's the semi-main. And then another great Natural Vibes versus RED trios match with Konda in it. It's wild case. This is a wild time for the company, but I love this Kobe Sambo Hall show.
1: Yeah, I mean, the match to talk about is... The the co or the semi-main event, Yoshino, Doi, and Jason Lee defeating Mochizuki, Okuda, and Watanabe. Uh, spreadsheet match for me, four stars right on the dot. Kaisuke Okuda is doing things in this ring that I just was not expecting when he came in. Uh, he does this top rope triangle choke to the floor that is... I mean, it it's going to hurt someone, I think, eventually, because it's it's kind of like a shoot-drop off the top rope. I mean, he's dropping these guys kind of right on their head, and like we've discussed, we wish Dragon Gate would kind of make it his finish and and give it a little more impact, but instead it's kind of this transitional spot that once he hits that— The match now goes into the finishing stretch, and then we see Watanabe and Mochizuki throwing bombs at Yoshino-Doi and Jason Lee. It ends up being Okuda, who eats a Bakutari sliding kick uh, there uh, in just over 15 minutes. But this match was terrific. Like Mike said, this match is on the network until the 24th, so you're going to have time to listen to this and then go watch— show and i highly recommend at the very least if you don't want to sit through the entire kobe Samba hall show i can't blame you but yamato versus kaito Ishida and then this match i think are well worth your time
0: yeah and just to talk a little bit about the uh, yamato kaito Ishida match right on the precipice of spreadsheet for me three and three quarters just a 11 minute kind of sprint match where yamato is a guy that I have a lot of misgivings with him because he's someone that when he takes shows off, he takes shows off in a very obnoxious way that I just can't stand Okay, And I know I've talked to you about this privately before, but I want to have this on air and people who are Yamato fans to tweet at me and be angry about this. But Yamato is one of the worst people at taking a night off when he wants to take a night off. And this was a case where he could have took a night off, but instead he managed to work his annoying wrestling style of grappling for grappling's sake, with someone who was determined to sell his ass off, like Kaido Ishida, and try to like shrug off getting his ankle locked and doing this, and it was just a great, it was just a, was a great 11 minute sprint they, he let Ishida kick out of a Galleria, which for a guy of Ishida's level on the card, that's pretty big. And then he finally kind of tapped out with the Doji sleeper, which is not necessarily a common move, but I love this move. I love this move. I love this match. Uh, what was your overall feelings about it?
1: Yeah, House Show Yamato, or at least non cork and non-Big Show Yamato, is a strange case because I understand why he takes these nights off because he's someone that can rely on his charisma for the most part and is always going to be in a featured match on the big shows, and that requires taking big bumps and big sequences and this and that and this and that. So when there's 500 fans in Kyoto or whatever— I understand why he wants to do the Frankensteiner, part his hair, get a reaction, and move on with his life. But it, it's not good, and it's especially not good when his unit mates, Tribe Vanguard, whether it be teaming with Kai, Kagatora, Yasuke Santamaria, whoever, when they can't lift up his performance. So it leads to a lot of very dry, very boring Tribe Vanguard matches on these shows here we see him against Ashida. Ashida has been just phenomenal this year. He's just so good. And he's found his home and maximum teaming with DOI partnering with Jason Lee, doing all these different things. He's kind of been the glue guy that you, you stick him into a maximum match and it immediately becomes much more exciting. And this was a great single showcase for the two. Um, I I liked the choke out finish. I thought it was interesting. I thought it played to both of their strengths, quite honestly. And it's a match that I gave uh, three and three quarters, uh, but would fully recommend it just because it was something a little bit
0: different than what we typically get on these Dragon Gate Kobe sambo Hall shows. Yeah, it just was different. It was special. It was right after a three minute benke squash of Punch Tomonaga. I don't know what the justification it was for having two singles matches on this showcase, but we really got to see uh, dialectics here between Benkei knocking out Punch Tominaga in three minutes and then Yamato having, like, a hard-fought match with Kaido Ishida. It was just weird. Yeah, I
1: liked it, though. Uh, I I was wondering how short the Benkei-Tominaga match would last. Uh, three minutes felt just about right. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, they they hyped up the Yamato-Benkei match more. and Then we really, you know... With the way that first match was with the Ben K match, you know, it would have been easy for Yamato to just buzz saw and run right through him. But I think it speaks well to Ashida's future that they had him put up a fight and had him have a really good match with Yamato.
0: Yeah. And I forget if it was here or I think it would have to be here because this is when there was intermission. The big thing about going intermission here was the two of them just getting into it being Yamato and Ben K. And really just like the two of them have. Well, we don't have the translations that we used to, but you just sense that Yamato sees that Benkei is not at the level that he should be, whereas uh, Benkei is trying to prove himself and is not willing to like step down to a guy who is senior because now he was the guy who took care of Pac, and why didn't Yamato take care of Pac if he was the guy in that position? So I thought that was pretty interesting, and then again, that led into the incredible... Uh, mochizuki dojo versus maximum trio's match and then again as i said before another really fun natural vibes and red match where ginky horiguchi got another backslide he got backslides pretty much i think every single match on the shows except for what happened at at kyoto kbs hall so he's been he's been having one of those streaks of mochiz of uh ginky horiguchi matches as of late but yeah, was, and it's, it's speaking of Horaguchi. and <laughs> speaking of
1: intermission. I mean, do you want? Let, yeah, let's, let's get into down it. this Kaito KBS Hall angle. Uh, it's match four on the show. It's Aita and Yasushi Kanda against Horiguchi and Brother Yashi. And there is a point in this match where RED starts cheating, and they bring out the box. And Horaguchi counters the box attack, and then grabs this dreaded heel box that has just been a staple of the company now for 20 years. It's hard to explain. It's just a box, but every, every bad guy unit has one color coordinated to their attire. Uh, and Horiguchi takes this box and he beats up Ata and he beats up Konda and then he beats up the referee and he gets called for a DQ and that doesn't stop him. And for the next seven to 10 minutes, we have this arena wide brawl with Horiguchi just taking it to Ata in a way that is very out of character for Horiguchi. It's something that, you know, he's been a staple of the company for 20 years since nearly the inception. And we've never seen this type of rage in Horiguchi. You know, we know him as, you know, fun, loving baby face, you know, hits the exercise band spot, does the backslide. It's all good fun. We've seen him as a surfer and on the rare instance that he's been a heel, he's felt, like more evil, I guess than anything mm-hmm. like kind of like dark and mystic, but this is just a rage that's coming out of him. That's new. And you know, they call for intermission and people are trying to get up and, and use the bathroom or buy merch or whatever they need to do. And Horiguchi is throwing Ato around the arena and brother Yashi can't break it up. And Kanda's trying to get in there to stop him. The dojo boys are out there. It's crazy. And it's something that was a shock to the system and, In Dragon Gate, I've I've never seen an angle quite like this. There's one thing that it reminds me of that we'll actually discuss later on in the show, but just brawling through intermission between two guys that kind of have these laid-back personalities, it was different, and I loved it. This is one of the best angles I've seen in wrestling this year.
0: Yeah, and for a match that is now going to be the semi-main event of this show— this is really added the stakes needed to be, especially for someone like Ginky Horiguchi, who just never really is the guy to completely lose it, to just be beside himself in anger. And it, you said seven minutes, which I think might be selling the short. I think this was closer from when you include the match going post-match and then into intermission. About a good 15 minutes of sporadic Ginky Horiguchi coming out of the backstage area. Picking up a meter of RED and kicks a member of RED and kicking their ass and throwing them into chairs for about a good minute. Then they break it up again. They try to send him to the back, but then from another corner of the arena, Genki Horiguchi has like Big R Shimizu and he slings him into chairs and then Kanda tries to stop it. He gets slung into chairs. Yashi seems to calm him down again, taking him to the back, and then he comes out again to, to kick Ada's ass. It is like a tremendous ass kicking and it's something that was. It,
1: it's unbelievable.
0: Yeah. It was just so different than anything we've seen. And
1: especially to have it come from Horaguchi, it really stuck with me of because it was such a, a drastic change in his personality. And now we went from this, you know, this twin gate match at Dangerous Gate is a no DQ match. And it kind of feels like they booked it backwards where they announced the no DQ match, yeah. uh, with RED's reasoning being, Well, it's Dangerous Gate. We need to have a Dangerous match and I was like, oh, alright, I don't know if this is the match that lives up to it to I don't know if Horaguchi took that to heart. I don't know what it was, but it ended up working out because we got this angle, and now I am so on board with this dangerous Escape match. And to me, the Horaguchi angle is the most must-watch thing on the show because I liked that match, um, and then I liked the following match of Ben Kane and Shun Skywalker versus uh, Naruki Doi and Kaito Ishida, but nothing is going to stick in my mind quite like
0: this Genki Horaguchi angle. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. The best match of the show was that tag match after intermission. If you're someone like me, go check out the opener. The opener is fun, too. It's probably like three and a quarter, you know, not necessarily to a level that is something that you're going to remember for a long time. But probably the best uh, match I feel like that Jimmy's had since he's been in the promotion, the match is ryo saito martin kirby and jimmy versus hyo Nabe, Kiske akuda and yuki oshioka it's just a fun it's just like a fun opening trios match like i'm having such a good time on these trios so far this year and this or, or this tour and this was a really fun one and then again like you said the tag match with naruki Doy and kaido ishida which has kind of become the regular top level maximum tag team against benkei and shin skywalker which if they haven't been in singles matches, the two of them have been tag teaming together. And this was a really fun, like 12 minute sprint tag match. Like I thought it was a whole lot fun. Like we've talked about how there's been a lot of just different kind of fun things going on for this. But, uh, but Kaido Ishida being in good sprints has been something I've really enjoyed so far this tour. And he's going to be in a match coming up at Danger Skate that is a down the card match, but it's a really kind of fun one. So it's, I wouldn't call this Kyoto show, especially for Kyoto being such a big place for them like storyline-wise. I wouldn't call this like much watch other than like the 30 minutes that take place between the match four and then the end of match five. I think that's probably what's worth watching on this show. I would agree. All right. Uh, any other thoughts about the TV before we get into previewing both Dangerous Gate and taking a look ahead to Gate of Origin? Anything else that you saw that you wanted to Talk about from the uh, August shows.
1: No, I'd like to get into
0: Dangerous Gate
1: because there's a lot of stuff on this <clears> card that I like.
0: <clears throat> yeah, this is a, another strong card out of them. It's an eight match show. It will be on the 14th. It is, of course, as always, from Oda City General Gymnasium. It will be on the network at four o'clock local time, which would be three o'clock, I believe, uh Eastern time. I need to like kind of go through and constantly do this the way they have always list match times always bother me, but I believe that's 3 a.m. Eastern. I want to say, but that's neither here nor there. Eight matches on the show. Every title will be on the line other than the brave gate match. We, of course, have already talked a little bit about the dream gate and the twin gate, but how do you want to tackle the show? Do you want to talk main event first or should we talk opener up?
1: Let's go. uh, Let's go with the opener uh, because I think this card is interesting all the way through. Um, and, and just to to backtrack just for a second, it is 3 a.m. start time uh, at least Eastern time. Uh, I will be doing my best to watch it live, um, and if not, then I'll watch it right after the fact, and then I'll have my review up on Voices of Wrestling. But let's start at the uh, at the bottom of the card, I guess, with this opener. If you want to run run down the match there.
0: Yeah, this is the traditional. We got to get everyone on the show match, but it's a really fun one with how these teams are composed. It is a 10 person tag one side has i guess you would call it the natural vibes team natural vibes side of uh, brother yashi punch tomonaga problem dragon monday ryu martin kirby and hiroshi Yamato. and then the other side is the notable tri-vanguard team i guess really of kakatora yosuke sanamaria sachi hoko boy uh, dragon Daya, and jimmy so interesting kind of how they've lined up they've had m- martin kirby and jimmy on opposite sides when they've kind of been on the same sides going far and then of course you have what would be like the the four people who are much higher up on the card kind of paired off two and two and yashi is kind of an interesting place i feel like on this show i mean it it feels like that he would be someone that more likely you would maybe think about putting into that ultimo match but he's here opening up the show so what's your thoughts overall about this match well look
1: I don't think this is going to be the last time we see Brother Ryashi on this show, which pains me to say, but I'm afraid he's going to be involved much later on in the show. But I like this match. Um, I like the idea of Kirby mixing it up with Kagatora, who has had a rough tour. We talked about Mm -hmm. a lot of the things we liked. One of the things that we weren't a big fan of was just Kagatora's output. Um, He's someone who and I think deservedly so, has a corner of the community. Uh, he he is one of their favorite wrestlers, and there are people that have an eye on Dragon Gate, but they have both eyes focused on Kagatora. and I've just never had that connection with him. I think when he wants to turn it up, he's very, very good, but I don't look at him as this elite tier wrestler, even on his best day. And what we've seen during this Gate of Adventure tour is when he's not at his best, he's not that fun to watch. And he's just kind of dragged everything down. But I hope if he's in there with Martin Kirby, those two can can grapple, maybe do something a little different, and Kagator can find some footing because he feels lost in the booking, and I think that affects his output quite
0: a bit. Yeah, he's really not been a focus of... anything a whole lot really other than when they had that trio that that triangle trio that with nat with uh vanguard trying to go for the uh triangle gate that was the last time i feel like that he's had anything of consequence going on for him really in yeah, America. and and he's no, I mean that that's
1: exactly it was that true, which was what Kagatora, Santa Maria and UT was yeah. that the was that the group? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was super fun. and I really enjoyed their matches and it's a shame that UT is injured., uh, we've heard maybe late September for his return, but you know, we don't have that confirmed. but Kagatora is someone who comes across as very human in the sense that when he's getting pushed, uh, you can tell because he tries really, really hard. But when he's got nothing going on, uh, it shows in his in-ring performance. So it's an opener. I don't expect a ton out of him, but I'd like to see him and
0: Kirby have some interactions. And also Kakatora, you kind of have to think about it. He, well, he's 37 now. He's no longer a spring chicken. No, but he's
1: a he's a Torimon X guy. And I don't yeah. know
0: if a ton of people realize that, that he dates back to the early 2000s. Yeah, and that's one of those things that, in the Korkin match, it was interesting because you had a Real Generations with the... Uh, I'm referring to the Ultimo Dragon match because you had a Real Generations match there because you had a couple guys from T2P with Ultimo and then you had Ryo Saito who was the bridge and you had Kness who was not traditionally considered a Dragon System guy because of when he came in, but he still received some training from Ultimo Dragon. So it's he's a remarkable person. It's just when he, he, you could tell like how he is doing mentally with how much effort he's putting in and i got the sense also that this uh, kakatora santa maria team when i listened to lanza talk about the junior battle of glory in all japan really it was when kakatora had something to seek his teeth into that's when the those matches seemed good but when kakatora decided to take the night off that's when they really kind of stank so you know i think that's the kind of the ode of kakatora in 2019 when you kind of take a look at it
1: Well, and you're right, and I completely spaced the All Japan uh, Junior Tag Tournament that he and Santa Maria are in, but I also don't watch the All Japan Junior (laughs) Tag Team Tournament uh, because it is the All Japan Junior Tag Team Tournament, Um, so I haven't seen any of that, I can't speak on that, but his output and the number two promotion in japan has not been very good and that i can say for sure
0: yeah yeah i mean the only match out of that tournament that i would have half an inclination to ever watch would be the speed the speeds of sounds versus that the, the tri-vanguard team the rest of that tournament can just go get lost but getting some some classic Toremon x versus toromon x and dragon gate trueborn that would be up my alley but the rest of that show can just go up a cliff like the whole entire tournament can but i think that's that's more thought. Put into this match than probably the booking did. So, taking a look at match two, unless you have anything else to add onto the opener.
1: No, we we just talked about Toriyama X. Now we've got some Toriyumon
0: OGs in this match number two. Oh boy, do we? We have kind of like what I would consider the bridge generation of Torimon, uh Torumon Japan and T2P going on. At least like between the first term and the second term and the third term. As on one side we have Rio Saito who is the bridge between Torimon third term and Torimon 2000 project which started the fourth term Super Shisa who you know I would keep up KFA but he was someone that was t- first class. Kanes not really but kind of considered first term and Kenichiro Arai second term versus Yazushi Kanda second term. Takashi Yoshida Originally, Noki Dojo in the United States before coming over through DGUSA. Kazuma Sakamoto from K-Dojo. And then Diamante from being uh, La Sombra's brother-in-law.
1: <laughs> yeah, there is, <laughs> there is a lot going on in this match. Um, it should be noted, I don't know how long Diamante's tour in Drangate is going to last. I know Jimmy... Is heading home after this match, uh, after the opener. So he's he'll be back in Mexico at the start of September. Diamante, I have no idea how long he's staying, um, but we're gonna get him in the same ring as Super Shisa and Kness, and I'm fascinated to see how that goes because theoretically a luchador should be able to work with Super Shisa, but Diamante is, uh, not nimble or <laughs> quick or a technician of any sort. Um, and there's a real chance that Kness who has struggled with injuries for 15 years now uh, disintegrates into a million pieces. If
0: he's the one that has to take the Diamante power bomb at the end of this match, the, the best way to really describe Diamante for other people is he was someone that was given a significant push in CMLL because his brother-in-law is is Andrade when he was La Sombra, and he was the stereotypical CMLL heavyweight that is just very slow and not very good. So we'll see that here in this. I mean, you have Kness, who when Kness isn't on the shelf is usually a lot of fun, but he's sadly at his age he is now. Kenichiro Arai, who I guess they're back to now having Arai show up at all the Tokyo shows, which you know me, I'm down with that. Whenever yeah, you... that is that is your fantasy booking come true. Yeah, yeah. My my main man, Kenichi Arai. I think, actually, when I'm looking at this match, the person that I'm kind of excited about, because I think he was pretty good this last month, is Yuzushi Kanda. Like, he had a good August. And I'm really which stunned I'm saying Which is hard for that.
1: the both of us to say, but you're right. He was in numerous good matches and wasn't bad in those matches, which is all you could ask for from him.
0: Right, right. And then hopefully... Kazma is doing okay. He had an eye patch on at Corican. He got his, his face busting open in Nara, and then Yoshida's going to Yoshida, and so is Ryo Saito. This will be the car wreck potential of the night. I feel. Like. Let,
1: let me let, let me ask you this because yeah we are both huge Super Shisa fans Uh, we saw his match with UT this year which is one of the best grappling matches you're going to see anywhere in the world he's got another one of those coming up or that, that happened but hasn't aired yet with Martin Kirby and we kind of know his strengths and to a lesser extent his weaknesses of the four R.E.D. members in this match who is Shisa going to have the worst chemistry with Yoshida Yeah. I mean, Yoshida, it's, I mean, Shisa can climb on him and kind of do those UT Yoshida spots that we saw a year ago when UT had a uh, miraculously good match against Takashi Yoshida. But it's like, yeah, I mean, Kanda is so broken down and old, but I can see him, you know, getting through some of those spots. Sakamoto, is very athletic, which I think has shocked us all in the year he's been in the company, just how good he's actually been. And again, like I said earlier, Diamante theoretically should be able to have chemistry with him. So I guess that kind of leaves us with Yoshida as the uh, who do I not want to see super, (laughs) Super Shisa
0: in the ring with? Yeah, it's just something when you look at this match and it's just a weird match. Like this is the weirdest I feel like undercard match they've had in a long time on a big show so that she says around now, which if you love very good, uh, Yahweh style maestro wrestling, he is fantastic to watch because he's the one person to make it work and not look like a giant exhibition.
1: I, he's, he's the one person I have interest in watching grappling. I mean, yeah. he, you know, that, that UT match from prime zone, which if you're, maybe wanting to see that match and you haven't before, maybe send me a DM. I don't know. Um, but Super Shisa is one of the few people in the world that I have any interest in and in seeing him take his opponent down to the mat. It's him mm. and Zack Sabre Jr. Everybody else stand up and strike. I have no interest in that. I don't like boring grappling. I don't like slow wrestling. I'll watch Super Shisa do what he does though. Cause he's very good at it.
0: Yeah. Like the only other one that I like is virus. But Virus is also you watch him because he has majestic mullet and he's a chubby guy and occasionally he'll do a really loud chop as well. But yeah, no, Shisa uh, is so, such a unique wrestler. kenichi Rai is the sleaziest person. He's not the sleaziest person in this match, which is fantastic. But after that match, we get into our first title match of the night, and we didn't really talk about this at Corrigan, but I think this, we'll talk about it here. It is the Strong Machine Army of J F and G making their first defense against the the Mochizuki Dojo Trio of Yuki Yoshioka, Hiyo Watanabe and Kota Minenora this match case of course was set up at Korkin where Hiyo Watanabe really kind of got himself to just he was feeling himself after he him and Okuda beat Yoshioka and Minenora and challenged the uh, challenged the strong machines but it wasn't his partner Okuda in that match that he chose to join him he chose his traditional dojo guys and uh, Yoshioka and Menonura. So interesting match. Jay has been in the, the factory for repairs. I think it's the way that they're calling it. case, if I'm right. And he has been off most of this month. But it'll be an interesting match, I feel like.
1: Yeah, you are correct. Uh, he went back to the factory, uh, which gave Strong Machine Jay some time off. So he has not worked since the Corken on August 7th um and then by proxy strong machine f strong machine g nowhere to be found but i i loved the way they set this match up because we talked about it earlier the mochizuki dojo kids have this match at cork and hall watanabe gets the victory with akuda and then you know kind of flips him the bird and says no i'm ready for a title match but i'm ready for it with yoshioka and minora and We'll say this. I mean, I'll say this about a few of the title matches. I feel like there is a real strong chance that the titles could change hands here. Now, I'm ultimately leaning with the Strong Machines. That's my, you know, put it in the paper. That's my predictions that the Strong Machines retain. But would it shock you at all if the Mochizuki Dojo team came away with the win?
0: No, and the reason why, more so than Hio Wanabe kind of stepping to the level that at least I have claimed that he's had his entire career. But I've noticed that Jay has had his shoulder taped up pretty much since April when he got debuted, when he debuted. Yeah. That's been something that's been an issue. And there's been no other indication of him coming back. It, could, it does seem like this is something that kind of hurts him a little bit inconsistently. They might have to do a title change here just to get the belts off them because they know that he has to go on the shelf.
1: Which would be fascinating because then, you know, how long is he out? Does the gimmick keep going? Uh, you know, if if we're down, you know, at that point, three roster members, mm-hmm. do Don Fuji and Gama come back into the fold? You know, they've taken most of this year off, and rightfully so, they're up there in age. But now, and you know, you've got that aspect of it, but then you've also now got this trio team of Yoshioka, Watanabe, and Minora who are young and hungry and have been killing it this entire year. And now they have... You know, heading into, again, the hot period of the year where you've got Gate of Origin, you've got uh, Gate of Destiny November, then you've got Final Gate. You've got three big shows for them to have these big matches on. I think it's interesting, uh, no matter what, no matter who wins in this match, it's going to be interesting to see them uh, fill those higher card positions, be in these featured matches for the first times in their career. Um, I think, though, I think Jay and the Strong Machine Army are going to retain just because there's more to this story, and I'm not entirely sure when it ends, who wins it, or how, but it feels like now that they have the titles, the Strong Machine Army can survive for a little bit longer. But like you said, his shoulder's been taped up since May. He had to take off the rest of this tour to heal up. Maybe it's a lingering issue. Maybe he can only get through this match and will take the belts off him. I don't know. But I'm very excited to see what comes of this.
0: Yeah, and it's something that, Hio Watanabe is someone also to keep your eye on when we get into talking about the uh, Twin Gate match, but as the person who I've if I've brought anything to the wrestling world, it is that Hio Watanabe's nickname is the Big Cat and he is my small leopard son. He's really, Those are canon. Those are canon now apparently. I've yeah. Said, that's canon. I'm very proud of myself here about that, but it's just one of those things that this trio has been so good. It's been something that from the tail end of last year through the rookie ranking league into King of Gate when Yoshioka got to get in King of Gate and had an incredible match with Susumi Yokosuka. Like, that still is one of those matches that won't make my top 10, but it's a match that sticks with you. And then Hiowanabe having a great August. Like, I would, other than probably Ginky Horiguchi, he would be up there on my August mvp list this is a match that if everyone is okay and they aren't doing the strong machine formula this could be the sleeper match of the night i would feel like just because of the kind of guys like yuki yoshioka he could do anything kota Minanora has become a great baby face in peril and hiyo Watanabe for a guy of his size has kind of developed this unique style that i find so compelling that you know, it's somewhat acrobatic, it's somewhat, like, gymnastic-based, but it's also a whole lot of him wanting to do, like, Fireman's carries moves. So, there's a lot of interesting things here, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways that can come out of this match, and, and the, as you said earlier, there's a lot of story to be told going forward.
1: Absolutely. I, I'm pumped for this. Like
0: you said, could be a sleeper match tonight. the night. I'm very curious to see what happens here. Yep, and that leads to match four, which is a non-title tag team match where kind of the two tag teams that have been being built up over this last much, month are going to face off as the maximum team of naruki doi and kaido ishida will go against the mochizuki dojo team of misaki mochizuki and keisuke okuda and this is kind of like the shun skywalker and kz match at kobe world where they're just like hey guys we have to do something with these guys so here's a match it'll probably be excellent here you go and I'm stoked for this thing, Case. What are your thoughts about it? So, Mike,
1: are you familiar with Masaki Mochizuki's nickname in professional wrestling?
0: Well, he is the soul of the king of the kicker.
1: <laughs> okay, there is that, too. You, I, I'll be honest, you caught me off guard with that one. Not, not what I thought you were going to answer with, but that is totally okay. But are, are you aware that some people refer to him as the Iron Man of professional wrestling?
0: That has been something told about him. That has been a way to
1: describe him, yes. That's a word on the street anyways. Mm-hmm. So, Mochizuki wrestled both of the Fuku- Fukuoka Double Shot shows. He wrestles at the Corkin. he wrestles on the Nara show, he wrestles at Kobe Sambo Hall. On August 18th, instead of going to Kyoto with Dragon Gate, uh, he goes to Pro Wrestling NOAH to compete in their N1 Victory Tour. He wrestles Katsuhiko Nakajima on August 18th. The next night, he's in a six-man tag with Minoru Tanaka and Naomichi Murafuji against Go Ozaki, Katsuika Nakajima, and Hitoshi Komano. As we're recording this, Mochizuki is gearing up for a match on the 21st in Pro Wrestling Noah against El Hiho del Dr. Wagner Jr. <laughs> yeah, that is that by the way is the lengthiest name in all of professional wrestling. From there, he gets a few days off because he's not wrestling on Noah's August 23rd show. And Drangate, weirdly enough, is not running any shows this week. They're not running any house shows. The roster has an entire week to heal up for Dangerous Gate. So now, on the 24th, he's got this match. On August 29th, he goes to Corican Hall and wrestles Cano in a singles match. And then one can assume that on September 1st, he'll be on Gate of Origin. Those are all of his matches this month and we don't have cards announced yet for the August 27th, 30th, or 31st Dragon Gate shows, which one could assume that he'll be on because he's not on those NOAH shows. So we could be looking at 18 matches for Masaki Mochizuki in one month, with the 19th being on September 1st. This, Mike, if you're wondering, would be one of his busiest months ever. Oh, yeah. He's rarely topped out at 20 matches, um, and if we're... Not counting the outlier, and I'm not making this stat up. In August of 2005, Masaki Mochizuki wrestled 43 matches. But that was thanks to Everyday Pro Wrestling when Dragon was running Double Shots daily, and he was often wrestling Stalker Ichikawa on those shows, which means he was wrestling three or four times because Ichikawa wanted the matches to be restarted. So if you take out August of 2005, this is one of the busiest months he's ever had in his illustrious 25-plus-year career. He's still one of the best wrestlers in the world, and I have no doubt that he's going to kill
0: it in this match i did see a tweet this week that really kind of popped me i didn't retweet it or reply to it just because it was a tweet that relied on machine translation the way that things work on tweet deck and how things go on twitter where um uh, masaki Mizuki tweeted that how tired he was and how he woke up in the bathroom and he was like i don't know why i'm laying down in the bathroom here but i woke up here and then of course i don't know if you saw this it characters out a cheat. How to chime in because Akira Dozawa does this and he said, Oh, it seems like you need to pee a whole lot because you're an older man and you need to go get your (laughs) prostate checked. (laughs) I did not see that. (laughs) Tremendous stuff,
1: but yeah,
0: (laughs) it's good stuff. Uh, Pretty much the, uh, and of course, Misaki Mochizuki said, you know what? That's a good point. I should probably go get it taken care of. But you know, that, that, that's, that's pretty much explains those two's relationship in a nutshell, by the way. But uh, yeah, no, this match looks like it could be exceptional. Ishida, we've talked a lot about you have Okuda here. Nuruki Doi quietly has formed another incredible tag team case. Who would have thought he's, this? He's
1: one of the best tag team wrestlers to ever live, and and that's not that's not a hot take at this point. I mean, I don't I don't know how you can deny it if you have any sense of appreciation for the Dragon Gate working style. I mean, this is someone who speed muscles one of the 25 greatest teams of all time. Yamadoi had one of the greatest year long runs in tag team history. And just time after time, he finds these guys and just finds magic with them. And Kaito Ishida is no different.
0: Yeah. And they've been great here, you know, for Ishida, the big question is always going to be when is he finally going to get over the hump and get his big, his first belt. And, you know, I think that this is a great guy for him to team up with. And of course, you know Ishida is someone that i mean he he teamed up with uh he teamed up with him at kyoto but it seems like that every time on the show when Ishida did not have a singles match he was teaming with doi he was in the main event of doi's homecoming town match not not masato yoshino because masato yoshino had a team with ultimo dragon In corken they were on that they were not on the same teams because i was with the uh, ultimo dragon but the rest of the the rest of the week, it seems like that they always were teaming up together and they've basically become a permanent team. And it's been a really kind of fun team to look at and to watch. And I mean, especially seeing Ishida versus akuda that's kind of the matchup here that you underline and you, and you wait to see, okay, this could be a really interesting to see how these two play off of each other. Who do you think is winning this match? <clears throat> I think it's Ishida over Akuda. Okay yeah
1: I I can buy that I, I I mean my prediction isn't that much different I think it's gonna be doyle over Akuda but it, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter but you know something that we've heard a little bit of just from you know other people is that Akuda is fun uh, and and gimmicky but not not in an insulting way he just brings a different presence to the company but that you know maybe he's a little flavor of the monthish and that he's not maybe gonna stick around for all that long. But until someone proves me wrong otherwise, I think Akuta's here to stay. At this point, I'm not waiting for him to announce that he's leaving. I'm waiting for him to get a contract. I think he's been that good and has become an integral part of the promotion so soon to where now you've got this entire Mochizuki Dojo story that is being built around him and Haya Watanabe and, you know— Watanabe is annoyed that he's in the dojo. Akuda, you know, he just wants to wear supreme, post pictures on his Instagram, and choke some fools out. And I get it. I love that lifestyle. <laughs> he's just uh, a hype beast. He, is. he he is he is a hype beast, and I'm, uh, I love it. And I hmm. don't typically say that about said hype beast, but Kaisuke Okuda is a good one in my book. Um, but there is a level of importance that he is kind of being gifted that I don't think uh, would be there if if he wasn't sticking around, most notably on the 819 uh, Okazaki house show, the main event of this show was Keiji Yokosuka and brother Yashi defeating the Mochizuki Dojo trio of Haya Watanabe, Yuki Yoshioka and Kaisuke Akuda. And Akuda did not take the fall. Keiji went over on Haya Watanabe, but even on a house show in front of a few hundred people, I think the fact that Akuda was in the main event of that show says all we need to know about his future i think he's sticking around for the time being and i hope that after he eats some of these falls he is the next guy to rise up the mochizuki dojo ranks
0: yeah and it feels like that especially in comparison to people who are in the dojo he kind of gels more with mochizuki than watanabe ever did especially more so than shin skywalker ever did so i i do see a certain kinship there and i took a look at Okuda's just overall schedule that he's had in 2019. The the three real promotions he's worked for are DDT Dragon Gate and then he worked for his uncle in Mexico. His uncle of course is Ultimo Dragon as the biggest surprise of the year. But he's wrestled now already just through 3 months 20, 20 more matches than he wrestled in DDT. And when you look at DET schedule, there are matches, there are nights that he had like 12-second matches against Michael Nakazawa, like three ways, like battle royals. Just he was not a factor here. But since he's joined Dragon Gate, he's become more and more of a figure, and it's been something that I just get the sense that he's that they're going to stick around with him at least through. I think as long as Ultimo's around, it's fair to say that Okuda will be around, and I think Okuda's done more than enough to earn his worth. And
1: and on top of that, Okuda hasn't worked in DDT since he began with Dragon Gate in May. This has been his full-time commitment, and it has now been since May, and he lasted through Kobe World Season, and like we've pointed out now, is in these angles and is now a presence on the shows. It's very odd to me that people have just assumed that it's kind of been a a short-term venture here. I, I really think Okuda is in the mix for good. Given uh, the fact that he is the nephew of Ultimo Dragon, which blew my mind when I first (laughs) heard it. But that is that is public information. I I, I don't feel bad uh, revealing any ancestry DNA stuff there. And he's one of the real life best friends of Ben K. And those two factors together with everything else we've mentioned leads me to believe that he's going to be here for a long time.
0: Yeah. And that's why we both kind of were suspecting that while he was around that he might be with Ben K. Because they fought and wrestled together. I think it was in high school. Like they both went to the same high school. So, yeah, I, I think Okuda is here to stay at least until we have another, unless we have reason to present otherwise. But for now, I'm here. I'm for him. His Frankensteiner triangle is the most interesting move in wrestling. I just call it the Frankensteiner triangle case because there's no other way for me to really wrap my head around
1: No, it. that's it. That's it. I mean, that's what it is. And it, it's phenomenal.
0: Okay. Match five is the 20th anniversary celebration series, volume eight. Where it's, this is the, this is probably the more random Ultimo match here, as Ultimo teams up with BB Hulk and Kai against the maximum trio of, of Masato Yoshino, Dragon Kid, and Jason Lee. Now, uh, should we talk about a little bit of uh, dirty laundry that goes on in Dragon System about this match?
1: Well, yes, we should because I was going to bring it up whether <laughs> okay. you want it or not. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let's air dirty laundry. <laughs> the the idea that Ultimo Dragon is wrestling in Dragon Gate is mind blowing and absurd. But the fact that he's doing it with BB Hulk makes all of this so much more insane because, as the story goes, uh, Ultimo Dragon started up the Dragon Door promotion in 2005. After the split, you know he had some of his students still loyal to him, and he's gonna he's gonna start this Dragon Door promotion. And their first show, uh, they're bringing in Mystico, and it's gonna be Mystico's first match in Japan. He's at this point the biggest deal in Mexico. He's the top draw in the world, really, and he's coming to Japan. He's gonna wrestle Ultimo Guerrero in the main event of the first Dragon Door show. That did not happen. Uh, Mystico did not get on his flight. He did not come to Japan. Uh, I believe he wrestled in the best of the Super Juniors a few years later, and that was his first time in Japan, but we never got Mystico in Door, and word leaked that Mystico wasn't going to be there, and so as the story goes... BB Hulk and Magnum Tokyo show up to the Corken Hall box office with a bouquet of flowers. They offer their congratulations to Ultimo and say, I hope Dragondor is a success. By the way, we heard the news and we're willing to work on this show for free. Just kind of as this ultimate F you to Ultimo. Uh, screw you for trying to compete with us. Screw you for thinking you could bring in Mystico and outdraw us in Tokyo. Uh, this is a Dragon Gate." You know, town building whatever, and you're not welcome here. And then Magnum would later go on to say if Dragon Door could run 20 shows in a month, uh, Dragon Gate would consider them competition. And if you know the history of Dragon Door, that never happened. Uh, but BB Hulk, uh, not one to mince words with Ultimo, and the fact that 15 years later they're now teaming up is
0: just completely insane to me. It is worth saying about this that at this time, BB Hulk was. Magnum's protege.
1: Yes, yes, and really a a nothing. I mean, a hype prospect, but had not, you know, won titles and headline kobe World, that done all this stuff. um So the audacity of him showing up with Magnum Tokyo. I mean, right. Magnum Tokyo had very public issues with Ultimo and public issues with everybody, as it turned out. But the audacity of this young, uh, wide-eyed BB Hulk to show up is a terrific story and one of the very many
0: endearing things about bb hulk in my mind yeah bb hulk as is just a very uh, he's a collection of things like he is a former jsdf ranger that's what he did before he did uh, wrestling was he served in the japanese self-defense forces as a ranger that's part of the reason why try vanguard has kind of military troop theme is because they want to be on the vanguard of wrestling and dragon gate and hulk is a former military guy he is a graphic designer he also decided his mentor really wanted to chat some shit against his own mentor and bb hulk got drug around drug around for this but guess what he's teaming with kai with ultimo dragon which is a wild trio and then it's the maximum trio i think that having jason lee here will be exciting seeing jason lee kind of match up against these three but you know, this is probably my, other than Hulk, this is my least anticipated one of the uh, Hulk Ultimo matches, in my personal opinion. I mean, what are your thoughts about the match itself? It's very strange that between Ultimo,
1: Hulk, and Kai, Kai is probably the most mobile of the three. Yeah. And that that does not bode well for this match. Um, the only thing I'm really focused on, because... Again, Dragon Gate has nailed these Ultimo matches, and we've kind of gotten word that the you know it, it was an Ultimo one-off at World that is now kind of becoming a staycation in a sense. That Ultimo is doesn't have a contract, but he's on good terms and he's gonna be around, and we don't really know how long he's gonna be around, but he's gonna be around. Um, I just hope that Jason Lee is not. Decimated in this match. I think it's very obvious Jason Lee is going to take the fall. Right. But I hope Ultimo doesn't destroy him. And I, I just this this run with Ultimo has gone too well that it feels like there's a disaster in the works. And it just, I, I just have this odd feeling that Ultimo and Jason Lee are going to get in the ring, and Jason Lee's going to get pummeled, and it's going to suck because. Very few people on this roster work as hard as Jason Lee. Very few people on a match to match match basis are as fun as Jason Lee. And if we get, you know, happy, you know, it's like, it's like the biological dad is back in the picture uh, with Ultimo and Drangate. You know, he he was separated from the family for a long time and, you know, stepdad Masato Yoshino did his job. And now biological dad, Ultimo is back in the picture But there's a reason there was a separation in the first place, and I just don't want this evil, bitter Ultimo to come out. But if it's ever going to, it's going to be in this match, and it's going to really suck if Jason Lee gets eaten alive by Ultimo.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is the one I worry about not as much the other Ultimo match we have down on the schedule coming up it's just going to be an interesting one i mean jason lee has been he's actually we've talked a lot about this guy earlier he's been in the kakatora role of being like the very very good low card kind of loss post that is kind of he gets put up this high on this the card and it's very obvious what his position is and you just have to hope that everything goes well on this side just because i would love it for jason lee to have one of his great performances here and especially on match five on an eight-match show. But I don't really have much else to talk about this one. I feel like that the Ultimo thing, it kind of remains to see if this is bad Ultimo here. But did you have anything else to talk about this one before we moved on to our last non-titled match of the night? No, let's get into this match, because it is super weird. This is... I don't know if who is booking Dragon Gate has changed over the last two months. I don't know if... Their priorities have changed over the last two months' case, but match six, special singles match, Susumi Yokosuka versus Shun Skywalker. This will never be a Brave Gate match because Shun Skywalker is a lanky person and is legit 86 kilos. So just anyone who's going to ask, oh, why isn't this Brave Gate? Dragon Gate takes that weight kind of thing somewhat, literally. So, this Which is, is weird because they, they don't
1: promote it
0: as such. They, right. they don't promote that there's...
1: Weight limits, are the, but there there are, and they follow that. It's just, it's like a it's like a
0: secret almost, though. It's very odd. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this match is going to be wild. I'm so excited for it. It's it rules just because it's here. Like this will be the pre intermission match, I would guess, just because of how things are. And it's just going to be yeah, a wild probably. match. It's going to be a wild match. I mean, Shun now has had two straight kind of getting tossed into the fire singles matches on big shows, and now he gets one against the unsung workhorse of the company and Susumi Okosuka, who's just, you know, he's in the best shape of his life. He's turned 40. He's had a great brave gate reign. And now he goes to get against Shin Skywalker. Who's made a point as of late to say, I am not happy with where I am. And I know that I'm teaming with Benkei, but I want to surpass Benkei So I guess the idea is if, if Ben is getting a singles match, so is Shin Skywalker.
1: Yeah. Just everything about this is odd because the fact that it's non-title is so weird, and you know we just made this big deal last month about how you know uh, it's a it's a random singles match. You know we never get these on these big shows, and now you've got Skywalker who just to read off a. A handful of these, and this is just singles matches that Shun Skywalker has had this year. He had the three rookie ranking tournament matches that climaxed with the Kaito Ishida match. He had the Ben K singles match in Corcoran Hall. He had the Pac Dreamgate match. He had the Masaki Mochizuki match at King of Gate in May that I think is one of the best matches to take place in wrestling this year. And then he has the KZ match at Kobe World. He's a most outstanding candidate who has another chance to add to his resume with this match against a guy who simply does not have bad matches.
0: It's weird. It's wild. And we're better off for having this match here. It's just Shun's had probably the most interesting 2019 just also because he hasn't had any title matches also like i don't remember no he had the uh, drink key match yeah he, match. he had the match against pock yeah that's it whereas over the last that's two over the last few years he had a bunch of title matches he's only had that one against pock and that's it this year he's had a very interesting 2019 it'll be i don't know how it's going to end up for him this year but it's been one of the more interesting ones
1: yeah, absolutely. Now, I and, and I, I, I don't believe you gave a prediction. If you did, I missed it. But who do you have going over in this one? <sighs> That's a heavy question.
0: Yeah, I honestly have not thought about that. Shun's uh, lost a lot of matches over this month. So I could either see him cutting that off or him losing another match. And I think it's going to lose. I think it's going to be Susumu. Interesting. I'm
1: going with Shun. Yeah. And we'll talk about why later on in the show. How about that? Fair
0: enough. Fair enough. All right. Match seven is the open the twin gate championship. No disqualification match as I going to call them Big E because, you know, that's how they've been working the name for these two. But uh, Big R Shimizu and, and Ada. Now I just realized that's the guy in WWE. Why did I do that? No, it, longer... no
1: this is now canon biggie this is who biggie is. <laughs> is if you'd like to refer to if you'd like to refer to new day biggie you call him new day biggie langston yes and this is biggie this is aton and big Shimizu have taken over this intellectual property
0: right yeah we're, we're, we're giving uh, uh or they should give back biggie langston his last name he's back to biggie langston but this is biggie and they're making their v1 against the natural vibes team of kz and ginky horiguchi of course has been the big storyline of the month outside of yamato and Benkei, has been ginky getting all these wins by the uh, backslide from heaven but he's also lost his cool a whole lot and ada has declared that there is going to be a big surprise i don't think he used Nuruki doi as there are things that are happening backstage that you would not believe but it was something along the same lines so there's a big surprise that's going to happen around this twin gate match so okay should we st- should, should we first talk about the surprise or should we talk about the match itself let's talk about the match first
1: because i've got some t- statistics i'm gonna read you all right let's get uh, into it but I, you, this this is stuck in my mind it's one of those things i've got to get it out just before and this is off topic and it's gonna take 30 seconds and we're just gonna have to get through it because i don't have a platform to talk about world wrestling entertainment anywhere else okay but do you remember when the Stephanie McMahon branded women's revolution started evolution or revolution? I'm not sure which one. And they started giving the women last names again, because for a while it was just Charlotte and they had all, like it was um, just Eve and just all these just faceless, barely have a first name women in the company for so long. And then it was Charlotte flair. And then Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch came through the ranks and Stephanie McMahon founded women's wrestling from there. And I find it so odd that over the past like four years, they've stripped away parts of the names of the men's wrestlers. And now it is Ali and it is Elias and it is Tozawa. And it's so dumb. And I'm so happy that I don't have to discuss main roster problems. But that one just, we said Biggie Langston and it got in my head that it is really stupid that they do that. And I had to mention it. But now for the twin gate match, I've got some stats for you All right. because what I would like from this match, I'll give my prediction to start. I don't think it's going to happen, but I would love Genki Horiguchi and KZ to win this match. Not because I think Aita and big R are a bad team, but because I think it would be far more interesting for them to win. And I think part of that is because since November of 2013, which was the first time that Ata and T Hawk won the Twin Gate belts. There have been 18 different Twin Gate champions, and of those 18 reigns, eight of them have featured either Ata, Big R Shimizu, or now both of them through the teams of T Hawk and Ata, T Hawk and Shimizu, Big Ben, and now Ata and Big R Shimizu. So we're looking at a generation of Twin Gate reigns that have been. Uh, that have had parts of this championship team in them. And while they're both good wrestlers, I just don't care as much. Whereas KZ and Horiguchi would be something drastically different because it came to my attention that Genki Horiguchi is only a two time open the uh, open the twin gate champion. And you think about how often he's been a brave gate title holder, how much he's in the triangle gate picture He's only been a Twin Gate champion twice. Not since 2011 has he held the belt with Ryo Saito. So for that reason, mixed with the rage and aggression that Horiguchi has shown this month, they are my pick to win. His other title reign was with Marahai Isapa
0: too, right? The yes, best... yeah. But both, both of his reigns have been with Ryo Saito. It's so interesting because I feel like that the, this last, like, nine weeks has been Ada finally becoming the big picture heel that they've desperately have wanted him to be over the last kind of the entirety of his career to be honest I mean yeah if, that's fair I mean if he was able to be this level of a heel in Millennials they wouldn't have bothered treating Millennials that way and breakup and they would have kept him in berserk versus pulling him over to overgeneration. is that fair to say I think that's fair so we're seeing i think this is like some of the best heel work he's done he's taken some marty squirrel and Zack saber jr kind of style to him and keeping himself still kind of sleazy and it's just been working great for him and shimizu is shimizu you know he's he's a guy that is the absolute boy he is i i did really enjoy him and uh Him and Ada's kind of tour where they were going to Macau and Thailand and Shimizu somehow managed to like just eat nonstop. and I heard somewhere that they were afraid that he would put on 10 kilos over the whole entire trip. But he's just, he's Shimizu. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world and he's one of the best tag team wrestlers and trios wrestlers in the world, even more so. And then you have like this KZ and Ginky Horiguchi team. Which, for me, you, you look at Natural Vibes, which for a lot of ways is members of the Jimmies plus just random assorted people here. But Ginki Horiguchi and KZ, like, KZ has had a team with, with uh, Punch Nominaga. It was very, like, low-key theme, but they, they've teamed together in the past. Him and Yashi, I mean, they've always kind of been like, oh, yeah, we two we have a similar personality, and then you have, you have Ginky Horiguchi, who is only really his only big team was a 3 Saito. And now the two of them have a, a title here. I just think that this is like an, the, the, there's going to be the big shock, and that big shock is going to mean that Big E retain. Like, I, I can't talk myself into thinking Ginky Horiguchi and KZ win this match, even though I think it'll be really exciting for them to do so. I don't know. It... The, there's, well, the, there's that. I mean, your, your logic is much more sound than mine. I mean, mm-hmm. if,
1: I, if I'm if i asking myself deep down, a Big E is winning this match, and that is also in due part to what I'm assuming is going to be a post-match presentation of whatever Aita's teasing, which I guess we can get into that now. Right. Uh, it, is it safe to say it's a new member? Is that safe to say?
0: It is. I've looked at this kind of... Uh two ways it's a new member of some fashion either being a a gaijin or native member or they're going to like declare war on a unit i think it's one of those two things and i think it's much more likely it's gonna be a new member of red so yeah
1: yeah so there are some names out there um watanabe is clearly unhappy at Mochizuki dojo. It's right. clear. He doesn't want to team with Kaisuke Akuda, and he's seen the success to an extent that Shun Skywalker has had since leaving the dojo. So Watanabe has to be at the mix. And if they lose the triangle gate match, he might vault into being my favorite for this position. Um, I think I've got two wild cards before I get to my realistic one, uh, wild card one being Shuji Kondo, uh, who was rumored to come in last year? That ended up being uh, Cosmo Sakamoto, who came in instead, which was out. a bummer. <laughs> it was a bummer at the time, but it worked out. Um, the other one, and this is this is pure speculation, but we have both heard that Rich Swan's name has been popping up just around Dragon Gate a little bit more. Uh, It's been six years since he's been over Um, from 2011 to 2013. Swan was basically a full-time roster member. I mean, he, he was more active than Pac and Ricochet even were at one point uh, in Japan. Um, But, you know, went away, got signed, um, has since, you know, moved to impact wrestling. um, Doesn't have a huge presence in the U S independent wrestling world at this current stage. And it just wouldn't shock me if rich swan was the one that ended up here now it would be a weird fit seeing a heel rich swan anywhere but especially in dragon gate but i at least think it's a name to float out there to see what happens unfortunately i think the realistic answer is brother yashi right yeah um yashi has you know has history with this current heel unit. He was a member of Berserk, uh, and to an extent, Antios. I believe he crossed into that lineage. Um, and also, you know, we we raved about this Genki Horiguchi angle on the Kyoto KBS Hall Show. That match, he was teaming with Brother Yashi, and during the entire brawl uh, that we mentioned that goes through intermission that's on the floor, it's this wild and chaotic brawl, and Brother Yashi is very careful to not aid in Horaguchi's attempt at chaos. Um, he's holding back Yasushi Kondo at one point, uh, almost playing defense in a way, but he's never on the aggressive. He's never one of the attackers. And that just kind of stuck with me as like, well, he's going to be out there. It's a natural vibes match. They can do a dramatic turn, have him turn on KZ and have him, or have him turn on Horiguchi and have Horiguchi get pinned. And I just... I think that's the way it's going to go, which is a bummer because there are a lot more exciting options out there. But Yashi right
0: now, for me, is the front runner. Yeah, uh, I think that just addressing Yashi at, at the top, Yashi is someone that has lineage. He, when he joined Natural Vibes, he said, hey, I was supposed to be a member of Antios, but y'all stopped calling me. But that essentially was what, one of his justifications for joining Natural Vibes. He is someone that since he returned and joined Natural Vibes, he's made a big deal of hey, so I'm actually doing signings and stuff like this because the heels traditionally do not do signings or work the merch stand. Enjoy this while you can because y'all know that eventually I'm going to turn on them. So there's those things that are going on while this big beatdown happened in Kyoto. And it was so different and unique that it just seems like that... Yeah, you were right. There were some times where like he like would like, hand ginky chairs, but it wasn't like he was attacking, and he was kind of in some like laying in off scene, but in some way trying to pull him back, you know? So Yeah, absolutely. Yashi is the obvious, at least to me, he's the obvious top person. Hyo Watanabe, I think, is someone that, when you look at the rest of Mochizuki Dojo, I mean, I already talked about how Keo how Okuda fits, and Keisuke Okuda fits in so well with Mochizuki. Uh, Kota Minodora, he's just now crossier. He's fine being like this. And our poor Yuki Oshioka, for such a great wrestler he is, I can't tell you a single thing about his personality, can you?
1: No, I mean, he's... Uh, we he's said anyway, he's he's well he's wrestler he's this generation Susumu Yokozuka which right. is not a bad thing to be by any means but you know Susumu doesn't want to do the damn dance yeah. and he he's upset that he has to do the dance and I think Yoshioka's career is going to be in a very similar path you know put me in whatever colors you want have me team with whoever you want
0: ring the bell let me wrestle yeah yeah D- don't make me dance but yeah, yeah. don't make me dance but Hiro Nabe has always been. When you look at the initial members of that class twenty sixteen, he's someone that was the more colorful member. I mean, I'm going to completely disregard Shin Skywalker's original gear and mask just because we all should forget transgressions we made as young youngsters and mistakes we made fashion wise. But that's true. He always had the leopard print thing. He always talked about wanting to be a division star in the Bravegate division. And he's also made a point of that, he has been a very much a character-focused person. He's He was someone that, basically, during the uh, the lead-up to that Rookies versus Veteran match, basically played himself like a complete and utter prick. So, we've already seen that he can be heel. So, I think that that's, he's my number two after that. Kondo, I would love Kondo back in the company full-time, don't get me wrong. And having him and red would be the exact kind of jolt in the arm that they need without Pac being around but it's just hard for him being you know full-time with russell one being the trainer and booker of russell one that's just a whole lot for him to do and rich swan i mean he's always gonna be a possibility i did hear when he first like was released and there was talk last year about him coming over and they kind of died down but i mean i could see it happening the up I mean, the other turns I could see. Uh, I mean, KZ's not turning. Ginky's not going to turn. It, it, it's so really. Susumu's not going to turn. So if not punch, turn. I mean, if punch turns, who gives a shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Punch turns. be yeah. like that. So, so yeah, I, it really comes back to those four guys. So it'll be interesting, and then of course, you know, the one other thing is they could they could pull someone in from tribe. They could get UT to turn and join straight up coming back from his injury against well, that Stragers.
1: would that would be, that would be fantastic I mean, that's something i haven't thought about but that that is something that's my curveball uh, yeah i would be all in on that and i think that's because the condo the thing is a pure pipe dream not going to happen but his you know he's someone that is always going to be mentioned when this type of stuff comes right. up the, the ut pipe dream is a much more realistic version of that uh it would be different it would be exciting and i don't see that happening but i would be more than okay if it happened
0: The other reason why I think it would be a good thing is that means that you'd have Tri Vanguard versus RED, and we need to do something about Tri Vanguard. I've been saying that. Absolutely. So, yeah. All right. I think we've covered that as well as we can. Let's get to the main event. It is. Real
1: quick, I I, I do want to mention one more thing loosely related to the match, but, you know, RED is bringing in a new member, um, or at least we think they are. And it should be noted, um, you know, last month we came on here, Post World, and I talked about how. Uh, it didn't surprise me that Pac came back to Dragon Gate uh, before any other company, that Pac has quite honestly served Dragon Gate to the best of his abilities, Um, and his future with the company was up in the air post-Kobe World, but I believed he was going to be sticking around. Uh, Recently, the Gate of Origin poster was released. That's the show on September 1st, and Pac is not on the poster, Um, Mm -hmm. and if you know anything about Dragon Gate posters, uh, you've got your featured player's you know, up top, you know, these big images of them, but everyone in the company is featured on the promotion or on the on the poster rather. Um, and these are items that aren't necessarily updated super quickly. Um, I believe Ricochet was being advertised on all Dragon Gate events, uh, whether he was in the country or not, and whether he was working for New Japan or not, kind of until he finally left for good. Um, so the fact that he's not on the poster is telling. Um, I, I don't have any official word at this time. I'm, I'm working. I'm trying to figure some things out. Uh, but it should at least be noted that Pac was not on this tour. His name was not mentioned. And he's not on the Skate of Origin poster. Whereas, you know, Kai and Ryo Saito and the Strong Machines and whoever else are. And, you know, they're not exactly featured players.
0: Yeah, and the thing to note also about these posters are that there is the usual like annual or biannual poster that is basically your featured guys in. They, they get like a mid, a medium shot, then larger headshots of, of a bunch of guys, and then a bunch of just small headshots. So Pac is still mentioned on the one that's been out all year. It's the same poster they've done all year. It's called the Dragon Gate Pro Wrestling 20th Anniversary Poster the gate of origin one he's off of and i he was he's on the danger skate one but of course he's not on the card but that's also as a poster that i think first i saw the danger skate poster june maybe like i remember seeing this poster a while yeah yeah that while. sounds right yeah and it's also worth noting that uh some of these posters have oji shiba on it of course that's katoka's younger brother and then some of the posters don't so he was someone that when we were talking about people that were going to return and were on the shelf, they said that he would be around the time of Kobe world, but he was not at Kobe world and he is not on, I'm looking at the dangerous gate poster right now. He's not on that poster and he's not on the gate of origin poster as well. So I think I, I don't, I've not heard official word, but I think it's reasonable to say the thing that OG is out of the company. So the main event well main, main event time yeah 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 i don't know if i really call that too much of a bummer though because og really had like two months before he got injured he was fun but he's you know it was he, very fun yeah but he's injured and he looks like he's gonna maybe hang out with katoka at his gym good for him but main event open the Dreamgate championship match it is the v1 for benkei against yamato uh without saying uh just straight up uh your, your win. What's your percentage of Benkei winning versus Yamato winning? Because I think like we're both going to say Ben K should win, but what's your percentage?
1: I'm 60-40, 60-40. in favor of Ben I'm am right. I'm 60-40, and I can't... It's not 50-50, but, man, I can't discredit Yamato that much.
0: Right. I'm about 80-20. I'm 80-20 for this. Okay. All right. And there were... I think we should say the reasons why we can't discount Yamato dragon gate likes pulling the rug out underneath someone when they're supposed to have their big ace run. So, and Yamato would be the perfect person to do it.
1: And, and Yamato has done it mm-hmm. in 2013. You know, Shingo ends this this 19 month Shima reign right. that you know, he defends against the entire roster. It's built up to Kobe World 13. Shingo defeats him. The company is Shingo's. He's going to lead the charge. And a month later, he's rolled up in Corken Hall, and Yamato is the new Open the Dreamgate champion. And that broke some people's brains when it happened. Uh, personally for me, I was a huge fan of the booking decision because I did not see it coming, and I thought it was great. I would be much less of a fan if it happened here, but I can't rule it out.
0: It's just, there's just too many things here, but at the same time that, that we all know that they're, they've are they built up Benkei for so long. But Yamato, since when he dropped the title to, to Misaki Mochizuki, He's not been around the title picture whatsoever. Like, in very much in a way that they wanted to kind of cool him off. So I find that real interesting case. That they, they cooled him off in that fashion while still having him be a major part of the company. So it made be. Yeah, me... it, it was needed. I mean his his Dreamgate reign
1: Suck. was a failure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it was it was not good. And we kind of knew it at the time. And then in hindsight, yeah, I I look at some of those cards. Like the like two thousand seventeen was not a good year for the company, but I, I look at like I was looking at some of the cards today and I was like, Oh my god, I don't remember this happening at all. And it's made events, it's Yamato matches, it's you know, Yamato versus Masaki Mochizuki, which I guess was the match that Yamato lost the belt in. But yeah. I'm going, I don't I don't remember a single <laughs> thing about this match, just because that had hit a point where it was like, oh, oh my God, I gotta, I gotta watch another thirty-minute Yamato match, and then I gotta write about it. You know, <laughs> I'd rather do anything else with my life. Um, but he's rebounded. I mean, when Yamato's on, he's phenomenal. I mean, he's, he's really, we haven't seen peak Yamato. I think since 2016, since he won the title when, you know, 2014, 15, 16, we're talking about Yamato as he's, you know, he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's got the charisma, he's got the in-ring, he's got a world of potential. And the conversation really shifted after that Dreamgate reign, and he's just now kind of working himself back into the good graces of the Western fans. And I, I hope he delivers in this match uh, for his sake, but also for the sake of ben K, And I hope they go out there and kill it. Uh, they better tease a Frankensteiner spot. That's what Yamato beat Shingo with six years ago. I, I will lose my mind at a 2.9 kick out of Kay. When he gets rolled up by the Frankensteiner. I think that's a must. Uh, you have to do that spot. And then I think Ben K pins him. I think he wins. Um, and then from there. I you know I at some point we need to have the discussion about what comes next. Well I think Shun Skywalker is beating Susumu Yokozuka. And I think Shun Skywalker is challenging Ben K for the belt. Not at this show. But I think at Gate of Origin. We're going to see Skywalker and Benkei set up a Dreamgate match. Now, I could be wrong, and it's pure fantasy booking, but that's the direction I see this going in.
0: Yeah, that seems to be the feud that's hanging over both those guys' heads, isn't it? I mean, Benkei, I guess he really could go up against Masato Yoshino and Naruki Doi and try to put down everyone in the past generation because they've made a reference about that into Gate of Origin, but really, like, the generational rivalry has to be him and Shun Skywalker, just because of everyone else of the generations around him are just not that level yet. So, and the thing is that Ada is, so, is probably be the one that's closest to his age, Ada and Shimizu, but he's already surpassed them. So, those would be the ones closer. So, yeah, I could see that happen, and uh, I'm just going to lay out, because I feel like you did a great job kind of talking about Yamato and this and Benkei here. Here's what my dream match would be. It would be about 14 minutes. And it would be 14 minutes. Uh, Like the first few minutes of it would be the two of them just hauling off. Yamato goes on offense. He tries to lock in the Dojima sleeper. He goes for a Frankensteiner for that 2.99 that you talked about. And then we get headbutt, spear, spear. Ben K bomb Ben K-bomb, he puts him in the dirt. Like, we don't need this to be a 26-minute match. That was an issue I felt like I had with the POC trial changes. It was so long without there being a definitive end. So, yeah, I, I think that Ben K wins. see they should keep this like a 14-15-minute sprint-style match. They can do it. They had a great match at King of Gate. I'm just hoping that they have that match and not a match where Yamato's taking the show off. But, you know, that's not the only big match that's happening in a week period because they also have the gate of origin card before we move on to it. Were there any other thoughts you had about? No, no,
1: no, no. You you nailed that transition. Go ahead. Go, 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 go,
0: go. (laughs) All right. So this is, well, before we get into it, this is now their second true gate of origin show. It will be on the 1st of September in Miyagi and Sendai at the Sendai Sun Plaza. They there's only three matches announced. They, they're doing the thing where they wait until we see after this show to set the rest of the card. Uh, Gate of Origin has kind of a weird position case. Uh it's not the same level of your kind of B tier shows. It's not a champion gate. It's not really even a memorial gate. It's just kind of this special show that's right in the middle of like their hot months, and it kind of breaks ideally this would be a little bit later so they could break up the difference between their big Tokyo show and their big Kansai show, but they go up to Sendai for this. We have three matches. The first match is a special trios match because they're in Sendai. For the second straight year, they're going to have Sendai girls representation as Miko Satomura, Dash Chisako, and Chihiro Hashimoto are going to go against uh, Nane Takahashi from Seedling and Yosuke San Maria and Hollywood Case this is a uh, This is something.
1: Yeah, I mean, I am the foremost Joshi expert uh, on <laughs> every platform. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm sure this will be great. I love Miko Satomura, and I know the names of the other competitors in this match, so that is that means they're good because I at least know the names of good Joshi wrestlers. So <laughs> uh, I'm sure this will be interesting, and I'm sure it'll be fun because Stalker's in it, and he's probably going to eat a roundhouse from Miko Satomura, and
0: it's it's going to be a blast. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll say this: Chihiro Hashimoto is a awesome wrestler. I saw her face off against the uh, fake PSYOP Seree with three E's. I'll say that here because uh, I know that the Joshi listeners that listen to Everything Elite would would get it up near here. So I feel like I feel like that we're in trusted company here. Seree is a psyop. I'm convinced she is, and but is Hashimoto's incredible wrestler. I saw Dash chisako when she did some chikara dates and of course Nane tak- takahashi is a legend yeah this is a strip comedy match that i feel like it's going to happen which is going to be a shame just because i feel like that it maria when maria isn't doing comedy stuff is a great wrestler and ichikawa you know he's the greatest comedy wrestler of all time but if you're going to have Mako Satamura and Chihiro hashimoto around i'd want them to have like a serious match here rather versus a comedy match yeah absolutely but yeah, the other match here, and this is a match that was, I believe, set up in was this in Kyoto that they set this one up? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a recent development, but it it there has been an angle for this match. Yep, it is a special tag team match. The uh, they really should develop some sort of name for these two guys: Shin Skywalker and Binkei. They are going up against Doi Yoshi, Speed Muscle, Masato Yoshino, and Noriki Doi in a special tag team match because Binkei did not keep their mouth their names out of his mouth.
1: Yeah, so to me, this is this is going to be the launching pad for Skywalker, at least the way I think the booking is going uh, to where he's going to get a pin on Yoshino or Doi and then say, you know, K, you beat me to the Dream Gate, but, you know, I'm going to have a longer reign than you. And then I think that's a realistic main event for Gate of Destiny, which is awesome to think to think that this younger generation uh, can at least step up to the plate and, and try to knock one of these big shows out of the park uh, but you know, like Mike mentioned earlier, you know, these gate of origin shows are a little odd. Uh, they, they're crammed in there and it's not an a show, but it's not a B show. It's somewhere in between. But this match combined with the main event that we're going to talk about in just a second, I think this is what we should expect, or at least what I hope comes from these gate of origin shows where you've got a match like this, which speed muscle versus Ben K and Shun Skywalker and cork and hall would be insane and the crowd would be into it and it would be a good time for all but it is it is a match that you can draw more money with uh because it, it's going to draw more than 1600 fans and then you've got this main event that is going to draw and is nostalgia driven and you know Dragon gate has been around for 20 years now they can now cash in on some nostalgia and i think this is kind of going to be the direction of these shows going forward is a second tier main event match and a nostalgia draw. Here's some lapsed fans. Here's some new fans get in the building and, and watch what this company kind of represents.
0: Yeah. And for speed muscle, this is that they now, as we've seen through like Naruki Doi and Masato Yoshino this year, that they, they, they have different priorities. they, didn't end up being, like, the big tag team that we were expecting when they were going to reunite in maximum. Like, they had the uh, challenge against uh, against CK1, but that was really it. Like, they, they, they've they kind of been on a back burner. They've been willing to have Big Ben be the big tag team from the unit and then also have just the others just do things. So it's interesting this is happening. I think it's pretty—this is a big match that normally would be, like, a semi-main event of a Corkin, to be honest— like, Why? Well, I,
1: I at this point I think it's a main event. Yeah. I mean, that like like you just alluded to, you know, Speed Muscle, despite being in the same unit, the two on two doyoshi tags do not happen often, and when they do, they're either on really small shows or they're on really big shows. I mean, we had the World 2017 match. They teamed one time last year in Cork and Hall last October. And then, you know, I, they were just recently, I think, in, in the July Sambo Hall show, there was a, a two-on-two speed muscle match. But it's not something that we get often, and it's now, you know, something that they can use to, to draw some money with. And it's great to see, but I, I think semi-main of a Korkin is, is underselling this match. I mean, to me, this is a, it would be a dynamite, super exciting Corkin main event, but it's
0: a bigger match than that. Yeah, I guess I think that because I remember that the uh, cork Corkin last year was then versus Maraha Zappa. and that's why I was kind of like, okay, this is kind of weird in a way that they're doing this. So that's why I, I, I might have sounded a little bit too dismissive there. But yeah, no, this match, this definitely will be, out of the three matches announced, this is the work rate match of this show, and it'll be interesting to see because, yeah, I do see the possibility that any one of these three guys, if Benke walks out of Oda City Gymnasium with a title, could be the next Dreamgate Challenger. I mean, if you think about it, doi has been in the cooler pretty much since he lost against Yoshi. he lost against Yamato and then had a title match against Yoshino. That really was kind of a weird one last year, now that I think about it. Yoshino is always gonna be a title challenger. And then as you said about Shin Skywalker, so this is going to probably be one of the more consequential matches. I feel like, at least storyline-wise, for the remainder of 2019. It'll be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. All right. The other match we know, and we have what looks like could honestly be like two work rate matches, especially if it's not a comedy Maria match in the first one. But in other cases, a comedy match, what would likely be a comedy match in Dragon Gate, at least. A work rate match. And then we have this. Dragon Gate Twentieth Anniversary Celebration Series Special. Eight Man Tag. I'm gonna talk about the other eight first before we get into the special the special part. One side is a Tribe Vanguard team of Yamato, BB Hulk, Kai, and Kagatora, and they'll be facing off against Dragon Kid, Ultimo Dragon, Great Sasuke, and Jinsei, and Jinsei Sasaki. Yeah. This is a (laughs) wild match. I mean,
1: this is, this is, I mean, but this is what the show should be because you can't headline this at a gate of destiny or a dangerous gate. Um, but it's, it's a match that is going to attract some people and I love the legends team on this dragon kid included. It is a little bit of a shame, that it's the Tribe Vanguard team they're facing, but I still think this match is going to be really good. It's just, it is just a very weird match.
0: Yeah, it is. Of course, Kagatora has a history with both Sasuke and Shinsaki because after the split, he ended up in Michinoku, Michinoku Pro and did some Kai and Tai Dojo as well. He, he was in Kowloon in Michinoku Pro. And, you know, Kai is kind of the weird outlier here. We've talked a lot about Hulk's relationship with Ultimo, Yamato's kind of just been someone that he has done matches. Like, I know Sasuke came through, and then Shinsaki. So that there is, like, a relationship, but not, like, a heavy one. It's just, for, like, this area of the country as well, I mean, they're having this match in, in Miyagi, which is a part of Tohoku, but it's one of, like, the more northern part of Tohuko. Like, we're talking about, like, this is as far north as it gets before you go over to Hokkaido. So, like, this is, like, when you're doing that part of the country you have to bring in great sasuke and you have to bring in jinsei Sasaki. like they are like the legends of that area so i find that all very interesting I think this is an interesting match i don't have very high hopes with this match because it's not just ultimo you're dealing with you're dealing with sasuke who was not great when he had his last dragon gate appearance shinsaki was okay when i've ever seen shinsaki and i've seen him live he's been exciting but this is just a match that you kind of go like well It's going to put people in the building. This and having like Mako Satomura here will bring people in the building. It's just kind of a weird match and not necessarily a work rate match as well. At least in my opinion. No, no, I think that's fair. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see what else gets put on the show. I remember last year... Last year there was a Triangle Gate match, I want to say. I don't remember specifically. I know the first uh, show they had in Sendai that was not a Gate of Origin show had a title match of some sort. But I don't remember if it was... Triangle or not? Do you remember?
1: Uh, on on last year's Gate of Origin show? Yeah. Um. Let's find out real quick on the Gate of Origin. So this was last year, and it was headlined by Yoshino against Takashi Yoshida. Uh, yeah, there were actually... There were four title matches on this show. There was the Triangle Gate match of the National Vibes team against Kagatori, UT and Maria, who we talked about earlier. Oh, yeah, that match was, was a lot of fun. That that match was great. Uh, There was a Brave Gate match that was not great with Ata against Punch Tamanaga. And then... I totally forgot about this. There was a Twin Gate match, BB Hulk and Yamato. Do you want to guess their opponents real quick? Was this the Mochizuki-Yoshioka match? No, that match ruled though uh yeah. No, this was bb hulk and yamato against don fuji and ryo
0: saito oh right yeah this was they were kind of playing up that they were gonna be a comedy thing and it didn't yeah. really happen <laughs> it did not did not work because remember this was originally a trio that's what happened a couple of years ago and it was supposed yes. to be it was supposed to be uh, those two and Kness, but then Kness broke because Kness breaks so yeah no this was a. Like, God, yeah. No, this was a weird show now I think about it because this was right after Antios ended. or No, this was before Antios ended, was it? Uh, This would have been before because I think they rebranded Gate of Destiny last year. Right, yeah. I always get it. No, no. they rebranded at... (sighs) Yeah, no. no, This is before Dangerous Gate. This is before Dangerous Gate. Yeah, because
1: Dangerous Gate was in September last year. Right, yeah. Okay. Dangerous Gate was a month... Uh, it, it was like September twenty fourth last year, where uh, and then so Gate of Origin went before it.
0: Right. Yeah. That's it. Okay. So yeah, this was like the last big match with Antios Because I'm now looking at the show because this also had Shingo Takagi here. This was a this was a wild show because also this is when he had Willie Max still in the promotion and then the uh, comedy match was the uh, when the, when the, when Cassandra Miyagi who then became Andrus Miyagi when she joined Stardom did a match with Misaki Mochizuki where she did not take a single bump the entire match. Do you remember that? That is a,
1: that is a good payday. I do remember that. Yeah,
0: yeah. It was like, oh, well, I had to show up for this. And I think, I want to say, like, Hio. this is Hiyo Watanabe came out on their side because Dash Sachioka or Chisako was on their side. I don't remember that whatsoever. I don't remember Hio being involved. And I feel like I would remember if Hio was involved.
1: Yeah, no, that sounds, that sounds like it could have happened, but I have no idea.
0: Yeah, no, it was like, I'm right now looking at this because this, this is just blowing my mind right now because you would think that my favorite current wrestler in Dragon Gate, I would remember him showing up in this match. Uh, da, 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 da. Mochizuki limited losing another match, Moch... And... Uh, gee. Yeah, there's nothing about... I don't know why they said Hio Watanabe was involved here, but yeah. No, this was a... This is like a interesting thing because I feel like that this show, they might have a Twin Gate match. There's... Pl- There'll be time for a, a Brave Gate match here, you know, because there's no Bravegate Gate match at Dangerous Gate. So it'll be interesting to see how the rest of this card kind of falls through. I don't think there's any other big shows or any other tape shows between this and between Dangerous Gate and this. Unless no, no, it's,
1: it's it's three house shows, uh, the uh, 28th or uh, yeah, the uh, 28th, 29th and 30th, I believe.
0: Um, but those will not be filmed. Yeah. Okay. So, it'll be interesting to see. They'll release a card probably, I would, I would guess, the 25th or 26th for show. Uh, the show. But before we finish up this episode, you wanted to take some time to talk about the really awesome Torreymon vault match that or show that got put up this month at, on Dragon Gate Network, didn't you?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, they've been doing this since the launch of the network, where every month we get a Torreymon upload, and it started with the inception of the company. And I know we kind of talked about it last uh, last time we were recorded of, you know, we were just about to get into the really good stuff, right. and in August, we got to the really good stuff. <laughs> um, it started with, there's uh, two matches on a show from August 15th, 2000, from Kobe Chicken George, which... For for those that don't know, was a venue that housed basically B-tier Dragon Gate shows up through 2005, I think. But it's most most commonly associated with Tori Yuan. Uh, this venue with very small ring, really almost set up like the p- old Prime Zone arena. I mean, there were yeah. n- a, no seats, I believe. I believe it's all standing. Um, Very just close quarters, small ring, and throughout the, especially the Toru lineage, there just a lot of great angles that happened throughout the entire promotion. And it was always, you know, there to set up something at Cork and Hall or there to set up something on a bigger show. Uh, what we got in this August upload is a match between, uh, Don Fuji, Shima and Sua against, uh, Genki Horiguchi, Dragon Kid and Saito, uh, who became super Shisa. And, this is the best match I've ever seen in Kobe, Chicken, George. This match is off the walls good. The heat is unbelievable, and it's mainly Sua and Dragon Kid trying to kill each other. Because what would happen after this is uh, in Cork and Hall on August 24th, and we have almost this entire show on uh, uh, filmed, and it's on the network now in HD. We get the mask versus hair match between Sua and Dragon Kid, which was other than the debut match and then maybe Shima versus Magnum from February of 99. This was kind of the first truly hyped Toriumon match. That uh, turned some heads. Um, and th- this is a big match. Um, if you were on the Ditch site, this was one of the matches that Ditch really loved from the promotion. Um, it's one of those that people, even outside of the Tori Dragon Gate bubble, have kind of pointed to this match as being one of the really good ones from the promotion. So there's that in HD. It's the best quality footage we've ever seen of this match. And then there's a match that is personally one of my favorite matches. Uh, of the entire Toriyuman run. And that is this six-man match in the middle of the card. It is Mochizuki, uh, Kanda, and uh, Susumu. Uh, and they wrestle Shima, Taru, and Don Fuji. And this was the start of what M2K, which, you know, this legendary unit in Toriyuman, uh, this gimmick that they were doing called the Double Ring-Out Committee, <laughs> in which they were ruining these great matches by trying to end all of these matches in a double count And I know there are a lot of people, uh, that, that were either around watching Torium on at the time, or that have watched in hindsight that are not a fan of this. And they do not like it because their job was to ruin these good matches. I am a huge fan of the gimmick. I think it is clever. I think it is brilliant. I love it. And I, I I this match is still clipped because it's a 25 minute match and we get most of it but we don't get all of it. I had seen an even shorter clipped version of this match uh before on a on a Gaiora TV 2000 year in review show that I've got saved away somewhere, but I get a little bit more of it here. Like I said, this is one of my favorite matches in all of Toriyama. The heat in this match is unbelievable in it's just a different type of drama uh, because they're not going for pinfalls or submissions. Crazy max, at at points gets thrown out of the ring and they're trying to survive. They're trying to get back in the ring. And it's just it completely just changes the structure of a wrestling match. And it's a beautiful thing to see. So we've got those this month. Those are on the network and those are going to stay. So if, you know, maybe you're listening to this at the end of the year, you want to binge watch, get some recommendations. Um, You've got your current recommendations, but this is going to be on the network probably until the network is no longer a thing. So it's there. Go watch it. Go study up on some Toryumon Torium, because this is the really good stuff. And then because we're at the end of the month, I started looking around at what we might get for the September drop. And it's a little odd because Dragon Gate didn't run Cork and Hall a ton in 2000, um, especially the latter half of the year. Right. Um, so there's a match at Kobe Chicken George. Uh, that features Ball Kobe, Ryo Saito, and Saito um, against M2K, you know, Mochizuki, Susumu, and Kanda. Um, that's a match that I've seen clips of before. That was a really fun match. And then I'm going to assume, and I could be wrong, but I'm going to assume we get the October 1st Differ Ariake show, uh, which not only features a great match between Crazy Max and M2K, it features one of the greatest angles of the promotion of all time, which loosely I, it, it, the uh, Horiguchi intermission brawl kind of reminded me of this. Yeah, uh, There is an angle where Chacobal Kobe is at his merch table and M2K confronts him and they hold him down, and Masaki Moshizuki kicks him so hard that he breaks Chacobal Kobe's arm. And it is gruesome, and it is violent, and it is one of the best things the entire Dragon system has ever done. And that was filmed, I've seen it before, and I believe it will be on the September Toru Yuman drop on the Dragon Gate Network.
0: Yeah, this is a really special time in the time of Toru Man, Japan. This is... Right before they're about to launch the next year 20, 2001 will become more known because then there will be a couple of uh, lead up matches like Torimon Japan still exists, but a lot of people's focus kind of gets drawn over towards Toriyama 2000 project at that time. But there's just a lot of really great stuff uh, just a couple of things that I wanted to add in. So Kobe Chicken George is this special venue also because, I would kind of liken it to that it was the Kyoto KBS Hall of its time, because I think that's fair, yeah. Because size wise, it would uh, a sellout at Chicken George was about four hundred people, and they would. This is where like big storyline things would happen. Would happen at Kobe Chicken George. It was a former yeah. punk club, like which is like just a wild thing as well. So that was a big thing about it. I the version that I've watched of all this stuff not necessarily was presented in the same way, but this is about the time that I, I have not had the time, sadly, to watch the exact posting that Darkness Dragon shows up. And yeah, that is the big thing that happens to Dragon Kid after the end of the feud with Suwa, is it pretty much becomes, because this is when N2K, who has their first ever match in Tokyo during this on this taping like like this this Tokyo match that you're talking about the debut of the double ring out community this was their first Tokyo match, like they never really kind of teamed up like mochizuki and Konda, Susumu mochizuki and Konda, were a established tag team in second term they were the ones that won the Yamaha Cup, which was the big tag team tournament to decide who gets a Yamaha motorcycle, and I think a microwave as well it was wild that sounds right, yeah, yeah, yeah. but <clears throat> That this became, this was like the big debuts of both of these things. Like they did not make tape because there was a Susumu and Konda match at Chicken George, but that was the first like M2K M2K match. And it's just getting into like this really cool time period where M2K goes and does the junior tag team tournament where they just decide that they, they take off. They decide to go to all Japan instead of doing Toriumon, So they face off against damian 666 super calo super parka and halloween just they decided to take off for that and then then finally crazy max comes back it's just a great time like this is a this is something that I, I i've taken and i know i've talked to you about like from stuff that like joe has been doing with the ecw thing this is a time that's worth going through like month to month talking about what happened in this promotion here because this is like we are like, like this is the time to get into this like pre-watch stuff just because of we're about to have the double mask versus hair match with Saki Chikawa and Taru versus M2K and being Mochizuki and Susumu Mochizuki have to be used to calling him Susumu, Susumu and Kanda. And there's just like other things that I hope somehow might make this. Like there's a three way, not a three way trios match with, crazy max m2k without mochizuki versus ginky horiguchi Magnum tokyo and tomohiro ishii that happens that yes that is a real match that's a real match So like this is a really cool time and i think that i at least for like next month because of how the shows are like this was a crazy month content wise for dragon gate network but next month with what's going to be dropping i'm definitely going to be getting on it and you know it's worth going back and watching some of the other stuff especially if you're interested in people like magnum like this is basically peak magnum. I mean Sua was someone completely unique and then M2K is a kind of heal unit that you cannot happen you cannot have nowadays. Like they existed when they did case because when they did that, people who had watched that M2K now would have their brains melted just because of how M2K operated. It was not a cool heel unit. It was a cool heel unit that were Despicable heels who like broke people's arms and wanted to ruin tournaments and did not care about the promotion. They just cared about themselves. So this is a really awesome time, and you know I'm glad that you wanted to take some time to talk about the show because I think this is something that after get after Dangerous Skate I'm gonna go back and rewatch this stuff because it's some really cool things. So
1: yeah, yeah, it's uh it's something that uh, as we continue to record, it's something we'll continue to talk about. Yeah. Uh, So it'll you know, it'll be closing out, open the voice gates probably from here on out, because uh, there's just a lot of good stuff coming up. And I think it's worth mentioning.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's going to we've gone two hours, which was longer than I expected, to be honest. But uh, I think that's going to do it for this time. We'll we'll be back sometime in probably September because of I'll be up in your neck of the woods. We're all out and that we'll kind of take some things over and then we'll be back probably in the next few weeks to talk about what happens in Tokyo and, in uh, Sendai. So, okay. Is there anything you want to plug before you get out of the way?
1: No, just, here? uh, just follow me on Twitter at underscore in your case. Uh, I like hearing from new people, uh, that I didn't know were either listening or reading what I wrote. Um, I'll have a Dangerous Gate review up. Uh, It'll more than likely, even if I watch the show live, it'll more than likely go up on Monday morning, uh, so uh, the 26th. Um, And then I'll be back with Mike at some point, uh, probably for audio review of Dangerous Gate, uh, maybe a preview or a review of Gate of Origin, and then there's just tons of stuff coming up
0: that we're going to have to talk about. Yep, this is the hot period, so if you're someone who's just now getting to Dragon Gate... Things are going to be coming pretty hot and heavy. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Fujiheya. I mostly tweet about Dragon Gate and AEW things there. It, follow the podcast account, at Open OpenVoiceGate. I usually try to make sure that, on that account, I make sure people know what cards are coming up. It's I kind of use it as like a news, news account, to be honest. But yeah, if you get a chance, please rate and review us on the podcast application of your choice. We are on iTunes, SoundCloud. We're not on SoundCloud. I, always, I feel like I should say SoundCloud because everything's on SoundCloud. Maybe I'll start getting us on SoundCloud. But we're on iTunes. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Spotify.
1: We're, we're on the Voices of Wrestling feed on Stitcher
0: yep. Premium. Oh, we are on Stitcher Premium. I did not know that. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I think we are. Maybe may, maybe stick with iTunes. Yes. I don't know. Stick with <laughs> iTunes or yeah, – yeah, stick with iTunes. But uh, – we, we, are, we are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can get just this feed if you want or you can get the feed with all the other podcasts on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. But until next time and it will probably be in a couple weeks thank you all for listening and we'll see you then.